Welcome to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for the girl with all the gifts. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Mitch Trubisky. Dr. Chick, what what am I? And with a girl with all the gifts tagline or two or maybe three, we'll see how he feels, Kelly Wand. What kind of sick monster doesn't bite Gemma Arterton first? (laughs) I like where this is going. (laughs) Me too. Uh, how do you entice black people to follow you into the dark? Hold out a rat and hiss craftily. Oh, wow. That's, I'm not touching that one. They just what? Had a turn. Say? Yeah. yeah, we just took a turn. <laughs> I'm just following what I saw. Uh, and finally, I guess she's a dog person. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where that, I was wondering where that was going to go for you guys. Very nice. Good one. Kelly Wan, that, that tagline involved acting. Yeah. <laughs> I have to all cap things because I'm such a bad actor. Like if these are discovered after I'm dead next week. Whatever um, it takes, Kelly Wand. I, I recently saw there was something in Variety about uh, Johnny Depp's profligate spending and how he's being sued by his management company. And one of the things in the article said that he spends money on a sound engineer to feed him his lines during film productions. What? I had no idea. Exactly. I have no idea what that Why means. does it have to be a sound engineer instead of a cue card? Sound engineer? Because he can afford a sound engineer. I don't know. He spends, he spends 300000 a month. This is the allegations that the management company is On wine. On wine, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, that part makes sense one to of the me. I don't get the sound print. engineer. Right. I just, just spend the one. sound engineer money on wine, too. <laughs> then he's fine. All right. Uh, by the way, real quick announcement to the uh, listeners here. You two are in so much trouble. Oh, All right. so much trouble. Uh, and just this seems to happen for- every week, so I always well, assume it's the same issue. No, it's happening for real this week, and just to tease it for the listeners, we'll get into it right before the 3x3, three three. so stick oh. around for that. Oh. But Dingus, first, tell the listeners what movie we saw this week. All right, this week we saw The Girl with All the Gifts. Hmm. That's all <laughs> the gifts, and the all is capitalized. Kelly so Wands, just- the titular girl is not Jim Arderton. Yeah, yeah, but that title okay. it implies a lot to look forward to. I think that you get distracted by the word title because you stop three letters in. <laughs> Who, him or me? Yep. Uh, a yeah. 2017 British movie about uh, – you know those times before um, when I say uh, – I'm not going to tell you what the movie's about because uh, – you just should watch the movie. That's what I'm going to say right now. Because that's so, how I presented it to you guys. So, Dingus, I applaud your your uh, your discretion. And that's why this works. And I'm going to talk at length about how I feel about you doing that um, <laughs> once we get past the uh, flopsis, wopsis, snopsis, cropsis. Uh, this is one of those times where I just – I'm not going to say anything. This is uh, This is called The Girl with All the Gifts. It's about – it was directed by Colm McCary. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, what? What's his name? Colm. McCarthy, isn't it? Yeah, Colm oh. McCarthy, sorry. Uh, I was, Mike uh, Carey just, is the writer. I was distracted by Mike Carey's name because I wrote it two times because Mike Carey wrote the screenplay and Mike Carey, I don't know, this is a huge coincidence, Mike Carey also wrote the novel. 
They were actually written simultaneously. It was written as a, a screenplay and a novel simultaneously. So yeah. Right. He would write the one guy word for Barney and the other. Barney Miller jokes for a thousand. <laughs> That's for Bruce. <laughs> okay, good. Any other, uh... All right. I hope we get into our all in the family jokes soon. All right. Anyway, it was written by Mike uh, Carey and based on a novel by Mike Carey. Uh, it stars. How do you say? I don't know how to say it. Sinia say it like no- it's written, Dingus. Sinia Nanua. Artiton. 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 Oh, her, her. I thought you were doing right, right. Her. No, I'm, I'm saying Sinia Nanua. Okay. I'll, like, I, I, I'll take that. I, I thought you were struggling with Gemma Artiton's name. No, I will not struggle with Gemma Artiton. Kelly Wan has that covered. She'll struggle. Uh, I'm talking about Sinia Nanua, who is uh, Melanie. Uh uh, Gemma Arterton, Patty Considine, and Glenn Close, mm. which totally surprised Ooh. the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> the Girl with All the Gifts is rated R. Well, come what? on. Why would that be? Well, for disturbing violence slash bloody, bloody, not bloody, okay. <laughs> bloody images. Bloody images. That's it a midnight weapons. Day. Are rated for <laughs> I'm going to be tripping over a lot of words tonight. I apologize. It's been a long day. Right, this so is also drinking alcoholic root beer, I should point out. I mean, I am drinking beer. alcoholic root beer, which I have not done in a long time. It's called hard root beer. So my root beer is hard. Anyway, it's disturbing violence slash bloody images, not buddy images, and for language. Kelly Wand, is there anything missing from that that parents should know if they're considering taking their children to see Girl with All the Gifts? Mm, some boring chemistry lessons, improper use of a baby carriage, uh, <laughs> kids cheating at baseball. Oh! <laughs> That's not how you play baseball, to paraphrase the fish tank sister. Uh, and some graphic British accents. Mm. Going close mostly. Very good. Wait a yeah. minute. Girl with all the gifts oh. did not have a theatrical release in the U.S., so what? Uh, it didn't make any money. No, it didn't. It didn't come it's out. It's a in big US. movie. They spent okay. Uh, it's probably like a ten million dollars or so, and it's again, it was That's made with a, a grant from the uh, British government. Like British government money gave us this, so yay Britain. Uh, but Warner Brothers distributed it for picked it up for U.S. distribution, decided not to do a theatrical release available now for streaming and on blu-ray so it didn't make any money so uh, it Trump also didn't put any money in it also did not get a cinema score however mm-hmm. just looking for something equivalent uh the cinema score for 28 days is b plus that's the Sandra oh. bullock getting drunk movie uh, junkies or tedious movie not 28 days later but it's the closest i could come up with for uh something similar to this title mm-hmm. 28 days way to go a, glenn close a b plus from cinema score they basically were like yeah i don't like that uh, let's check Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, gives Girl with All the Gifts a 67. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, the average – the percentage – not the average. The percentage of positive reviews, 84% of the reviews uh, for this genre movie are positive. So way to go, mm. Girl with All the Gifts. It is now time, Kelly Wand, for – I think Dingus called the name of it the uh, Flopsis, Sopsis, Bopsis, Ropsis. I think that's what Dingus said it would be <laughs> called. That's its clinical name. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number? Uh, 60 strontium. Wait, <sighs> sorry. Uh, the Kelly, want to pick a number gifts. between, would you like to pick a number between 1 and 20? 69. Dang it. I pick Kelly Wand. 
See what happens. You give me a mile, I call it an inch. Shut up, Kelly. No one asked you for more math. The girl with all the gifts, sis. Ah. A little girl named Melanie counts impatiently to 40 over a bunch of corporate logos. <laughs> She's in a Cloverfield Lane room split with the one from Split. <laughs> she straps herself into a wheelchair. A gruff army man comes in. I lean over to the seed pod on the seat beside me and go, I bet Tom thinks that guy's in the Air Force. The pod bursts sadly. <laughs> Good morning, private area. Good morning, Glenn Close. The army guy's all, stop calling me hurtful things, you bloody abortion. Sorry, private lesson. By the way, that's not my wrist strap. It's Glenn Close's bra. What the? Glenn closes all. She knows the drill better than you, fucking idiot. The soldier shakes his fist at Melanie in annoyance. Also, that wasn't blocker gel on your hand. It was super glue. You just glued your fist shut. What the? Why you? He pounds his fist into his palm and gets them stuck together. They wheel her into a classroom with other kids in numbered squares and Gemma Arterton in it. She's all. <laughs> to me, sounds like heaven. <laughs> I'll try to stay in my square. <laughs> Gemma Arterton's all. Okay, who can tell me the acronym for the seventh Halloween movie, the third lamest one? <laughs> yes, Melanie. H2O. Correct. And what was Battleship Cinema score? Gary number three? Uh, G20? Uh, that's not even a grade, Gary. Someone's getting dissected at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie? C minus. Correct. Now, what was the name of this submarine movie with Harrison Ford with a Russian accent and Liam Neeson with an Irish accent? Blank the Widowmaker. Anyone? <laughs> Mrs. Arterton, movie podcasts are boring. Can't you tell us stories instead? Melanie's all. If it's a Greek myth, it also counts as math. The slow kid's all. Let's do Caligula again. <laughs> Arterton's all. All right, I got an even better idea. Everybody except me write a story. That'll be even more fun. Ready? Go. The kids <laughs> sigh with dismay. They all scrawl pictures of themselves eating Gemma Arterton, except for Melanie, who writes 38 pages and raises her hand. <laughs> Arterton's all. Melanie, would you like to read yours? <clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a brunette teacher and a girl named Melanie. A monster also existed, but it all worked out. The end. Arderton tears up a little, then comes over and ruffles Melanie's nose affectionately. The slow kids all, mind about Tom Cruise and a mummy. <laughs> I know character I am. soldier comes in scowling at Arterton. He's all, stop ruffling the noses. Need I remind you of this? He spits on his arm and extends it towards the nearest kid. The kid tries to bite it. Then they all start biting the air except for Melanie, who thinks his wrist tastes dumb. Arterton gives them all B-minuses, including the soldier. To punish Melanie for not biting at his arm, private character leaves Melanie strapped into her wheelchair in her cell. But Arterton comes and fusses with her straps in a maternal way. Arterton's all... This is for being a good girl today at first. She hands Melanie a bowl full of live worms. 
Melanie starts eating them excitedly. Ardard and Zal. Uh, those were supposed to be for the canary I was going to give you tomorrow. But whatever. B minus. <laughs> that night, Glenn Close swings by Melanie's cell. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> iPad issue. <laughs> iPad issue. Uh, yeah. So Glenn Close comes by Melanie's cell. She picks up a tube outside Melanie's cell and goes, Arden was here earlier tonight, huh? She notices a crashed Segway covered in boogers and goes, And Jaden, I see. Melanie's all, Miss Close, when you jumped out of the bathtub screaming in fatal attraction, weren't you a zombie? Glenn Close is all, I improvised that. And the rabbit. <laughs> now pick a kid for me to dissect tomorrow between 1 and 20. The next day, Glenn Close's lady friend Denise wheelchairs Melanie through some escape from New York hallways while soldiers <laughs> run around barking incoherently in British and an alarm clacks and buzzes. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> but all of that happened. That's all. Yeah, that's true. I'm sticking to the truth. Just bad, bad word order. A voice is all. Warning: chain link fences are dumb against zombies. Please shoot at them better. Warning. They wheel her into an elevator and then to Glenn Close's lab. Glenn Close is all. Okay, Melanie, good news. I'm going to inject you with the serum that will make you bored. Then I'm going to cut out your brain and spine. Melanie's all. To make a serum? Glenn Close is all. Uh, yeah, sure, if you say so, kid. There. See, that wasn't so bad. That's not a hypodermic needle, Ms. Close. It's a scalpel. And that's not my vein. It's the palm of your hand. You're cutting yourself. Glenn glicks down her bloody hand and goes, what the? Why, you little Blanny meets Home Alone monstrosity. <laughs> what? what? That's how Glenn Close talks. What's Blanny? These are nurses' friends. Black Andy, oh, Blanny. Oh, Blanny. Oh, Jesus. She remembers. I mean, Dingus is not a she, but Denise are nurses' friends all. You're the worst. Glenn closes all. Denise, shut up. Now then. There. Melanie's out cold. Don't worry. This won't hurt a bit. Hurt me, I mean. What the? Harder than... Don't cut up, Melanie. At least do Gary next. That kid's Greek myth stories put me to sleep. <laughs> he just keeps doing Sisyphus again, over and over, every day. There's no word for it. <laughs> Glenn closes all. Gemma, please, put down that fire extinguisher. Let's settle this like women. Arden's all. Okay, I guess that's a pretty good speech. She sets it down. Glenn Close sprays her in the eyes with Pam for 30 seconds. <laughs> Crying, Jim Arden runs away, licking her eyes curiously. Glenn Close is all. Okay, now where were we? The nurse friend's all. I was saying how dumb and observant you are. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go stand in front of this trembling window. <laughs> Another alarm starts going off. A voice is all. Warning. Door to dark room leading towards medical lab is opening for some reason. Warning. Glass is less strong than even just one zombie. Warning. The nurse's friends all. You know what I consider my best quality, Glenn? Hindsight. Suddenly the zombie's running up through the window behind her, shatter the glass, and start chewing her arm. Glenn closes all. Don't worry, I'll protect you. She turns around and runs through a doorway that, as we'll find out later, leads into the back of an army truck. <laughs> The zombies come in and sniff stuff, and the nurse joins in. <laughs> Melanie tricks Glenn Close's scalpel into being near her hand and frees herself. 
She wanders around outside watching zombies slaughter the army guys. One of the soldiers gets annoyed at Arterton for not also slaughtering the army guys, so since he has nothing more important to worry about right then, he starts to shoot her. But Melanie tricks Arterton by biting the soldiers, so they both have to run away really quick before he turns into one. The truck tries to hit them, but misses. When they pile in back, Glenn closes there. She's all, don't worry, I'm still in the movie. <laughs> Good thing uh, this truck was parked uh, up on my third floor office uh, next to everyone's all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they drive through some off-screen people and zombies and finally reach the open highway. Arterton's all, yay, we did it. I got to pee. Everybody groans. They park by the side of the road and make Melanie sit far away because she has blood all over her mouth and sweatshirt. <laughs> Private roads all. Right, let's put her in the wheel well. It's a win-win, except for her and the wheel. Arden's all, we're not putting her in the wheel well. The army guy scowls at Melanie and goes, uh, you're right. A couple minutes later, he's all, there. Now she's cinched nice and tight to the roof of the car, just like the grandma on vacation. Let's move out. <laughs> Melanie's all, forgive me for interrupting private moment, but you just strapped the spare tire to the roof, not me. What the? Why, you multi-gifted feminine. <laughs> Ten minutes later. There, kid on roof, straps tight, plan perfect. Let's move out. He starts the car and drives a couple feet into the woods. There's a loud thump. Melanie falls upside down over the windshield and smiles in at him. <laughs> Forgive me for interrupting, Private Pool, but a low-hanging branch just hit me in the head. We're in a forest. Not sure if you noticed. He's all, <sighs> stops the car. Ten minutes later. All right, kid on roof. Branches sawn out of the way. Anything else? Arterton's all, did anyone bring any water? The van stops and everybody sighs. Ten minutes later, after a heated discussion, the black guy's all, <laughs> wait, why am I the one who has to go get the water? It's because I'm black, isn't it? Glenn Close all, no, don't be ridiculous. Melanie's black. We're not cutting out her brain yet. She pats the straps cheerfully, looks at Melanie, winces, and puts the hockey mask over Melanie's face. The black guy's all, cool. He goes to the water. Suddenly, the soldiers all start shooting. He ducks as zombies converge from the woods. One of the soldiers all, oh, fuck, zombies too. The black guy's all, what'd you think you were shooting at? They all row back to the van. As the black guy starts to get in, the white soldier pulls out his gun and goes, nice try, Gary. What are those tooth marks on your ass cheek there? What? It's a, it's a hickey. I give them to myself. <laughs> uh -huh. Why are your teeth suddenly snapping at me? It's just chilly out here. They shoot him and keep driving, although it was a little cold. Glenn Close is all... Thank God we're out of that unsafe base camp. But you know where there's probably even more zombies? They're spare black guys all. Way ahead of you. They drive to downtown London, then park across an overpass from an outdoor mall full of zombies sleeping while standing up. Arterton's all. Wait, what? They sleep during the day? Didn't Why didn't the ones at the fence do that? Shouldn't I have been teaching these little fuckers at night then? No offense, Melanie. Glenn closes all. I wanted to surprise you. Now look, I can still make a cure for brain fungus, but first things first. We're going to need snacks, which means walking through that crowd of zombies until we find a grocery store. Just be sure you don't talk. Zombies hate dialogue or shoot guns. <laughs> that wakes them up, too, probably. Let's go. <laughs> Glenn Close's plan works awesome. The zombies are totally bored by them. Till Glenn Close sees one zombie pushing a baby carriage and decides to troll it by sticking her foot in the stroller's way. She raises the blanket in the baby carriage and gasps with laughter at the cute little mouse wearing a bib inside. The nearby zombies are all, Glenn Close. <laughs> they trick the zombies by shooting the couple of ones that wake up near them. To celebrate, they move into Loki's apartment from High Rise and hang out there. <laughs>
Didn't have to do any set dressing. <laughs> Glenn closes all. Okay, people, maybe next time you'll listen to me when I say don't fuck with their strollers. Hello. You especially, Melanie. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to do some medical maintenance you civilians would begin to understand. She starts to unwrap the bandage from her hand. It squirts her in the eye with pus. <laughs> Girlfriend drying her hair in there. Melanie's all, you don't smell very good, and that hand isn't helping matters either. The black guy crumples up an empty potato chip bag and goes, yo, out of food. Glenn closes all. <laughs> we also need to get out of here. I forgot why we came. And the just walking through them trick's not going to work again. The normal soldier's all, why? Glenn closes all. So we need you, Melanie, to go out there and find the last living dog. Hope it doesn't make noise while you carry it into position. Then let the zombies terrorize it. Hopefully long enough for us to leave. Hopefully by a different direction. The black soldier's all. A barking dog's going to distract 10,000 zombies? Melanie comes in with a blood-soaked cat's tail sticking out of her mouth while outside the zombies all chase a terrified puppy across the city. <laughs> the white soldiers all, Hey, that's my dog! Why you? <laughs> they all laugh affectionately and head outside to walk around. <laughs> that's not distracting. As they pass by a giant tree made out of bored zombies, the soldiers all, Look, seed pods! A starvation issue's is solved. Glenn closes all. If these seed pods burst, it's the end of the world. She picks one up and starts trying to bash it open against the street. <laughs> the soldiers all. Uh, didn't you just say doing that would be dumb? Glenn closes all. Damn, look how hard this fucking annoying outside covering is. What a crappy evolutionary trait. Stupid fungus tree zombies. Idiots. She sticks one of the pods under her shirt for later. I mean, yeah, the options. Eventually, they find the Park Damnation Alley RV on cinder blocks and move in. <laughs> oh, I was wondering. I wish we had done an over-under for that. That's awesome. It's the one from Phase 4, too, they moved into in that. It's 7. 7. Phase 7, sorry. The next morning. Whatever. What's the matter with you guys? On. Isn't it 5? Phase 5? It's Phase it's 7. It's a dome. It's not a... It's not a it's a geodesic dome in that movie. Oh, all I feel right. like we're the characters in that movie trying to use hand signals to guess which <laughs> that, phase it is. It's that Saul Bass movie about killer ants. It's I don't know. It's phase oh, four. Right. It's phase four. Never mind. I'm talking it's, about I'm talking about my over, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Sorry. Oh, the Argentinian movie you're doing. Right. Yeah. All right. Oh. The Ooh. next morning, the spare black guys all. Wait, you're sending me out for food? Why don't we just send Melanie? She's the one they can't smell and they won't eat on sight, but they've already shut the door on him. And he walks around whistling down some streets that luckily by chance don't happen to have zombies in them until he finds a trail of food cans leading through a mostly closed door into a dark area filled with hisses and the sounds of child zombies giggling. <laughs> He's all, guess I better leave my walkie here and go inside. Ugh, my pistol's not too wide. I could take it with me. <laughs> but it's dark in there. I don't want the gun to get scared. <laughs> <laughs> he slides into the darkness, turns on a flashlight, and sees a bunch of zombie kids leering at him in front of a party banner that says, Welcome, black guy, for lunch. Get it? Question mark. <laughs> Crazy, mischievous little kids. One holds out a dead rat to him and backs away down a hall. He's all, What the? I don't want that. Well, maybe just a little. Hey, where are you going? This conversation just started getting awesome. <laughs> 20 minutes later, Arterton's all. 
All right, Melanie, you said we had to hurry to rescue Black Gary here, and now we're trapped. Private conversations, all. Melanie just seems so much like a normal human child that I felt compelled to lead us out here without protection because she said so. Arterton's all. Oh, look, more zombie kids. Aren't they precious? The tribe of hissing, spitting zombie kids surrounds them by the door. The soldier raises his gun. Well, at least I finally get to kill a kid. Melanie's all. <laughs> no private function. Save your bullets. I can use my gifts to communicate with them. She walks around screaming and then kills one of them with a bat. The kids are impressed and golf clap while Arterton and all the rest sidle through the throng. Arterton's all. I'm really proud of you, Melanie. The next day, Arterton gets bored and takes a nap while the soldier wanders off screen. Glenn closes all. Melanie, I have an exciting offer to make you. It's called Let Me Cut Your Brain Out and Make a Cure Out of It Before My Infected Hand Hurts Too Much to Chisel Open Your Skull. <laughs> Melanie unclasps one of the Velcro straps on her shoe and goes, I don't know. First admit that I'm awesome. Your favorite child actor ever. Glenn closes all. Uh... Okay, sure, whatever, you're great. <laughs> Melanie's all, ah, walks outside. <laughs> Melanie, wait, come on. My touch wasn't over yet. She runs after her down a deserted alley filled with child zombie giggles. Glenn Close is all, oh, there you are. Uh, okay, I don't have any anesthetic, but I'll give you all the pepper spray your eyes can hold. What do you say? Wait, why the fuck am I in this alley? Oh, hi, kids. Uh, anyone here see The Natural or The Big Chill? The zombie kids eat her, so I guess they have seen them. To celebrate, Melody sets fire to the tree, which makes the seed pods burst and causes black snow to fall everywhere. Melanie heads back towards the RV to celebrate and finds this white soldier losing interest against a dumpster. <laughs> She's all, good news, private dancer. I destroyed the world. What were you doing out here? He's all, I came out here to find you, not Glenn Close so much. <laughs> he hands Melanie his gun. Listen, would you do me a favor? She takes it and snaps in a fresh clip. He's all, God, my wife, when she was seven months pregnant, she was fucking huge. It was gross. Ugh. Wait, Melanie, I give you that gun to shoot yourself. He, Melanie fires. The soldier <laughs> loses interest. She heads back to the RV and stares at Arden through the glass door. She puts her hand on it. Arden puts her hand on her side, although it's the wrong hand. They both keep switching hands so all the fingers and thumbs are in sync. <laughs> Melanie's all, Good news, Mrs. Arden. You get to teach me and the zombie kids trigonometry from now on, forever. They don't speak English, by the way, only screaming and bats, and can't hold pens. Hope you brought your textbooks with you. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wand. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I wrote right. things. Uh, <laughs> Dingus, you're announcing next week's 3x3. Three three. Kelly wants your 3x3 three three this week. Normally, I'd go first, but I'm the one that told you guys, uh, you know, let's do this for the podcast. So you guys get to go first. Um, there's a very specific reason I wanted you to watch this, and I'll, I'll mention that in a second. Uh, but Dingus, you go first. What, what did you think of this? What's your over and under and your overall opinion of the girl with all the gifts? All right. Um, <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that you made me go into a movie and I didn't know what movie I was going to see. I didn't know anything about it. And the, the, the title of it sounds like it's going to be like the fault in our stars. It really does. Mm -hmm. That's the movie I'm going to see. And yeah, then it turns, into, it turns into basically, 
one, two, two and a half different movies as we go along. Uh, and I don't expect either change to happen. Uh, and I'm not sure how I feel when that happens, but I get along with it because I really loved this movie. Um, you were a little bit reserved when you said, yeah, I'm going to make you watch this. I'm not saying I like it, but you're going to watch it. Um, and I'm, I'm not even sure you like it, Tom. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how you feel about it, but, uh, but you were very much like, yeah, you guys are going to watch this, but you know, it's not that good or it may not be that good. I don't remember exactly what you said because I tend to turn off when somebody says something that I don't want to hear, like, uh, spoilers. Uh, but I really like this movie. So for an under, I would put, uh, put, and I, and I bracketed this pretty closely. Um, under, I would put Morgan, um, oh. which I really like so much. Uh, I think for obvious reasons, because of the uh, child experimental thing that's going on in the beginning of this movie that immediately made me think of this. And then the way the movie develops kind of uh, continued to make me think of this. And it's very close because I like Morgan an awful hell of a lot. And then I would put Phase Seven, as I said earlier. Um, I think you, I think you really said it was an Argentinian movie that the three of us saw together, and provided one of our favorite laughter moments in a in a movie theater um, when a couple left the movie right before the major action moment happened. In the movie. Um, timing and I, what timing? Their timing was yeah, the timing awesome. was horrible. Um, but the reason I would put Phase Seven is because of the um, the weird sort of way that the movie goes in a in a different direction than I thought it would, and this movie does that as well. I mean, uh, it's not just the dystopian ideas of it, but it's that whole political thing that happens in Phase Seven that I wasn't expecting to happen. Uh, it takes this whole weird anti George W. Bush kind of bent uh, that I wasn't expecting to happen, and. You know, I was fine with it as far as as far as that went, but I really liked that movie a tremendous amount. So I just slightly put Phase Seven above this, but I really loved this movie. Phase Seven was the high rise of Argentina. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And Kelly Wan was right to uh, to uh, to talk about high rise. Well, uh, so Kelly, you're next. What's an over and under? Uh, what's your overall opinion of this movie? Um. I liked it. I think it has the same issues that most zombie movies have, in my opinion, which is that the first half's stronger than the second half, and it winds up with just kind of chases, and the characters getting a little dumber because they have to wind things up. <laughs> um, but I like the ideas in it. I really liked, uh, and it, it kept having them. And I, it, my overs, uh, the Australian one with the gasoline. What's that one called? <laughs> Australian one with the my, gasoline. Okay, there's Mad Max. Yeah, the one where they use the zombies for gas. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Road of the Dead or Wildwood. Some road shoot. Wormwood. Wormwood, Road of the Dead, or something like that. Right, yeah. Wormwood. Yeah. And there's the telekinetic what? angle. Right, like right. With can, the, the super oh, hot oh, chick. Okay. Yeah. Alexander Burns used that. Uh, he, he used that as his under as well. I, I know. Really? I know now why. I know what Wormwood. Even means, and I think Tom must have posted a picture of that at some point, um, maybe on the 2020 thread. I don't. I know. mean, it's less. But I know I've heard of movie. Wormwood. I've never seen Wormwood. Whatever the other uh, Wormwood wrote of that I've cute. seen. It feels like Ginger Snaps a little bit. Like it's really quick. It's all what? Ah, this is happening. But then uh, my unders, I am Legend, which I hate actually as a movie, except for the dog. But um, 
I thought that this movie explains why I Am Legend is a great title. And it kind of uses the title I Am Legend better than the movie I Am Legend. So This movie uses the title. I was a little confused. Yeah. Like, this movie should have been called I Am Legend. Well, it deserves it more than the movie I Am Legend does. <laughs> Wait. Because you... she is legend. And she and she, it, it's like the point of I Am Legend, the novel, is that right. it, there's the last man on Earth and he's their vampire because right. there's only one of him. So they're kind of like he's their monster. And I thought this movie kind of explored that idea sure. better yeah. than the Will Smith one. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like the title of this movie? Yeah, I do. Um, it's one of, like one of the main the things that and I like the listeners. Chris Markinson said is that. It's one of his favorite titles. I mean, he, he it is a great title. It, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Well, just it's really great, too. I thought of you uh, while I was watching it, like you going into it as you were saying, like, oh, girl with all the gifts. This must be like uh, Mandy Lane or something. Huh. <laughs> and then just falling into it. Like, ah, I wish I could watch thing. Just watch this. I, I would have but had it's a really blast. beautiful you movie. It's really beautifully watching this. You would have had a blast watching this with me, I think. Yeah, well, you thought, yeah I'm, anyways, really I'm sorry to interrupt you. You thought it was beautifully shot. Yeah, it's a really pretty movie, and the action in the and I love the opening and like how it's how it reveals information to you in the first half hour. Like you don't know anything at all, and then the way it just kind of gives you what you need as you go. Um, I thought was really good. Is this someone I know from another movie? The director? No, he's a TV director mainly from the UK. He did one movie which uh, I actually kind of like. It's more uneven than this, called Outcast, with James Nesbitt and Kate Dickey as uh, like like wizards, like modern day spellcasters, and it's uh, it's this unique approach to horror and magic uh, with a couple of really good actors in it. Unfortunately, it's mainly about some young actors, but Kate Dickey and James Nesbitt are, are good in it. It's one of the reasons that this was on my radar is I liked what he did with Outcast, and I was curious, okay, what's his next movie? Um, and it's uh, I went into this as well not knowing anything about it. You know, The title doesn't it's give anything away. the best way. It is the best way because that reveal that you're in a zombie apocalypse is pretty stunning, frankly. Uh, and yeah. it's something that I think a lot of zombie movies, we're so used to them that we don't really get to experience that sense of like shock or the dramaticness of what if a zombie apocalypse happened? Because part of the deal about a zombie apocalypse, you don't expect it. Like it's, it's yeah. a disaster that unfolds slowly, like an epidemic or a 9-11 or some terrible global, global catastrophe. And when you go into a movie, you know it's going to happen. So if you can go into this not knowing – where you are and what is going on outside in the world, it kind of captures some of that shock. And specifically, I think it introduces you to, to Melanie's perspective because it's all about mm-hmm. her perspective. Right. We don't know. We only know what she knows, and she doesn't know a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can go into this only knowing the title, knowing nothing about it, uh, I, I think that that's a, that's a really cool reveal that I'm positive I, – I meant to look at it – but that I'm positive has to be spoiled in the trailer. I mean the trailer – and even yeah. actually, the, I think the movie poster shows a bunch of zombies. Uh, but I don't see how you could market this without robbing someone of that moment, which is kind of a shame. And we don't know her allegiance for a lot of the movie, too. So she's part of the mystery, even though we're following her and she's our point of view character. So it's, it's pretty masterful. I think the thing, it's like we're really burned out on a lot of the tropes, too, of zombie movies, like the parts where they nail the doors and, 
and and barricade themselves in in the siege and there's the one guy who's an asshole and it's like we're used to all that shit and i think that's why i like the first half maybe better is it was it, it felt a way different from any other zombie movie and then it turned into okay it's just us and we're in a vehicle and we got to get past him to get in there in the building and then um like that's the part where I go. Ah, oh, this is like all the other zombie movies. But then it picks up again. <laughs> well, right. So, so if I could do my over under, I like that's that's oh, why. I, and I, I really do like this, although I think it's uneven. And ultimately, I have one huge problem with it, which uh, is why I would hesitate to rank it super high. Um, but for my over under, I did like zombie mythology is a, a lot. I'm super interested in zombie mythology. I love seeing how it's expressed in different movies. Uh, this I like this script a lot. I can imagine in ways this works better as a book than a movie. I mean, as a movie, I think it, it's pretty cool. But my issue with it wouldn't be a, an issue in the book, and I'll, I'll mention that in a second. But what I did for my over and under are movies that explore zombie mythology in a different way from the perspective of the zombie in the sense that what is the relationship of these zombies, this metaphor, this horror trope? What is its relationship to people? Uh, I think the fulcrum of this movie is the relationship between Melanie and, and Jim Arterton's character, Miss uh, Justin O. Uh, their relationship is the, the main point of the movie. I think Melanie's decision at a certain point is based on that relationship. Uh, and I think the movie is, is super interested in exploring that in the context of, of a, a zombie apocalypse. So my under for that would be a weird little, like, no-budget 2008 movie called Colin which is told from the perspective of a zombie. And it's a regular zombie apocalypse, and you don't know what's going on. And over the course of the movie, you discover this zombie's relationship to uh, his former life and to people who are human beings. Colin, it's uneven, it's very experimental, but it does a really cool thing at the end when, it, when you find out where it's going. Uh, so Colin, not quite as good as this. Uh, better than this, and and. Probably you could watch this and think it's not even a zombie movie, but it's definitely getting at the idea of uh, what's waiting for us after death. Like, what you know, is death inevitable, and how do we respond to it? Uh, how do we how do we feel about the inevitability of death? It's a, a weird little indie movie that Kelly Wand, I bet you especially would like, called Nina Forever, and mm. it's exploring the idea of zombies or the undead as what is it like if you can't get over a relationship. Like your relationship to someone else, you can't let go of that, and it affects your other relationships. And it sort of invokes zombies to talk about that. It's a, a super indie movie. It's British, uh, directed by uh, brothers named Ben and Chris Blaine. Uh, it's available for streaming online. Uh, neither of those, by the way, is as big or as polished or uh, as large a production as this. Neither of them manages to do the cool apocalypse scenery that, that this movie does. Um, so I appreciate the, the way that this movie explores zombie mythology. Really like the script. My problem with it and why I wanted us to watch it, uh, my problem with this movie is it doesn't – I don't think it works because it doesn't have in it a little girl named Daphne Keene. So we saw a movie recently called Logan. And Logan has a young girl in it who has to play someone feral, someone with a really compelling personality. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to be mean to a child actor, but I didn't, Sunia Nanua, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, I don't think she could handle what the movie needed her to do. 
And yes. that kind of falls apart for me. Just imagine if we had Daphne Keene during that feral moment with the kids at the end because Daphne Keene, she's just so expressive and she, she does that feral thing without it looking silly. Um, that's a key moment too and it kind of pulls its punches because we should see a little boy beaten to death with a baseball bat and the movie doesn't have the stomach for that. You know, The right. brutality that's supposed to be in that scene involving children, the movie isn't quite ready to go that far. Uh, you know, it is, it's a studio movie, uh, you know, Warner brothers had picked up the distribution rights to it. There were things they could and couldn't do. Uh, so I, I feel that that crucial moment kind of falls apart. Uh, I enjoyed watching Sunia Nanua's performance in terms of her being, uh, eager to please differential and, and, and curious and, and smart. She was a responsive actress. She was obviously listening to the other actors, but I just didn't feel she could go to the lengths the script really needed to needed her to go to and that kind of undermined what uh how the movie wound up so kelly wand i'm with you in that i love the early parts of it but uh i don't think uh you know i i like the first parts of it better than the resolution and how it ended up um hmm. yeah uh i i just want to say our our two listeners totally agree with you as far as uh uh sienna Nua is concerned I mean, they, they're really with you on that. They just, um, I think Alexander Burns says, uh, he believes she did a great job in the entire movie, but the screaming just seemed off for whatever reason. It didn't work for him at all. And then, uh, for Chris Markinson, it was very much this, um, that whole thing with the second generation of kids establishing dominance over the pack, um, he just thought that she was excellent up until that point, and they kind of put her in a spot that she was unsuited for. That's, yeah. that's, that's the way Chris Markets put it, that she was unsuited for. And I would agree with him there because I love all of the polite stuff she does early on because that movie is a kind of a different movie than is what it that, – that is the rest of the movie. That whole. Yeah, so you mentioned um, it was two and a half different movies. So I want you to specify right. while you're mentioning this, what are the two and a half different movies? So go ahead. You're, so you're saying that that early part with her being polite and deferential and curious was a different movie than the rest of it. So take it from there and tell me about the two and a half different movies. This is. All right. Real quick before I do that, can I just ask you? Sure. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Yes. Uh, did you know it was going to be a zombie, zombie no, 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 movie? No, 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 no. I got to do that as well. I, I just knew that it was the guy that did Outcast. Uh, I just wanted to see what he did next. Uh, I don't even think I knew Glenn Close and Patty Considine were in it. Um, so, no, I got to go in completely blind. Like, so uh, how did you feel in the moment where she's wheeled out and there's the fence reveal? I love that. I mean, like I said, but the whole idea of a zombie apocalypse is when we see a movie, we're expecting that. And plus, I... You know, once I realized, oh, okay, this is the setting, this is the, the sort of the milieu uh, that we are playing with. What's it going to do with it? And the more the movie progressed, the more I enjoyed how it was exploring that mythology. So I felt super thrilled. I can imagine some people like, oh God, it's a zombie movie. Uh, but I, I was thrilled at that moment. Okay. I was thrilled once it became a zombie movie. <laughs> All right. You. So you're straight up thrilled. Okay. Yeah. That that was my. <laughs> There was a little bit of, I don't know, vampire thing that went on with me where there was a death and a rebirth kind of thing that went on with me. Uh, because for me, the opening part of the movie feels very much more like one of those, this is super creepy and weird. And and she, uh, Sienna Nua, does this great 
she does these great things where she's greeting the soldiers, she's greeting the sergeant. She's, you can see the things she, she's doing on her face when she knows, oh, it's not the, it's not the teacher that I was hoping was going to be walking in. Mm-hmm. It's that other one. It's a substitute. Denise, you know, you as Kelly one calls her. <laughs> yeah, and and then when she hears uh, Jamard coming in, she she knows and and she suddenly engages and all the different ways she engages in the classroom because I think this movie has a lot of things to say on a lot of different levels about and not only about abortion and those types of things which you, we could probably talk about but also about education and about raising kids but about learning i mean there's interesting things about learning and teaching that are that are embedded within this movie but i like the way that that actress is playing those things and the, and those are those weird types of things that we've seen in movies like i don't know like like i don't even child 44 as much as i didn't like that movie but any or or hitman any of those movies where like little kids are are being incepted and created and what's going on and what's happening and it's a mystery and it it just seems mysterious and weird and creepy and i really like that because because I like the way she was playing those things, the way Glenn Close was playing those things. By the way, Kelly Wand, your way of pronouncing Glenn Close's name is <laughs> is right along the line. That Glenn Close is your windmill. I've, I've got to tell you, because she's Glenn not clothes. she's not wearing clothes. She's close clothes. to you. Yeah, no, she's not Glenn Clothes. She's Glenn Close to you. Stop it! What are you doing? Are you just trying to creep me out? So wait, anyway, how am I saying it? Clothes? Yeah, you say Glenn clothes. It's no, weird. I don't. As opposed okay. to Glenn open. There's Glenn open and Glenn clothes. Yeah, Glenn closed. She's close. She's not closed. What's with the second in too? That always fucks me up. By then, I'm already lost. <laughs> Make a decision. <laughs> uh, Jesus. But anyway, I, I loved all of that stuff. I lo- I loved the what that I, I. But that's part kind of particular Thank to you. me that. I love that feeling of, like, what what is the movie? I don't even know what this movie is. And then when we go out into the sunlight, and it turns out, oh, it's a zombie movie. Ah, Davis kind of, was disappointed. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of had a little bit of a letdown. I kind of like, oh, that, okay, that's what we're – okay, now I'm going to have the rest thanks, of the Tom. movie watching The Walking Dead. Thanks, <laughs> it, was, it really was. Yeah. It was very much like, thanks, Tom. I mean, I really enjoyed where we were going right now. And now it's just going to be The Walking Dead for the. Did you trick me into watching The Walking Dead movie? I kind of felt that way, but then <laughs> I had Dead wishes. I had this sort of rebirth as the movie does a lot of different things that make that work and make it work in a really great way. Uh, it it plays with some of the tropes. It plays against them. That that whole. I mean, there's a couple of different. You know, I've got this thing where I do uh, best miscellaneous thingy at the end of the year. There's two of those i think in this movie there's three overhead shots that i might consider swapping out on my three-way three of overhead shots that i really like in this movie there's things that are beautiful about it um so then i kind of get one over i i'm I'm fine okay i'm fine with it being a zombie movie and i did think about i am legend not because of the way you you're talking kelly one because i love i am legend the movie but I'm uh, fine with that, especially with that that weird no uh, the ending, whatever. Um, Which ending, by the way? Neither of our well, first of all, neither of our listeners like the ending of this movie. They're really mad about that. But we'll get to oh, that. Oh yeah, because I love the ending. I love so I, I love a, a zombie yeah, movie that has, a, that has an interesting yeah. approach for how to end. Like otherwise, zombie movies 
I mean, that's one of the compelling things to me about zombie movies is how are you going to resolve this? Right, uh, and right. I, I liked this movie's approach a lot. Yeah, I did too, but I don't think our listeners particularly liked the ending. Uh, so the two and a half is that I felt like when the pod started to drop that it was be- in that weird uh, – they're being grown into – this is the next stage. And any of that weird Glenn Close, I'm going to do weird science talky gobbledygook stuff, uh, turned me off a little bit. But it felt like it was turning into a body snatcher movie at that point. So that's why I say two and a half. It doesn't really turn into a body snatcher movie, but it feels like it's about to because of the pods thing and, and yeah. how that goes. But, uh, but that's why I say two and a half. Zombie movies are – and the mythology in general – uh, just can't resist making themselves as secular as possible. I mean, this is horror, and most zombie stories right. just chafe so hard against anything supernatural. They've got to explain it. And all the rage these yeah. days is this stupid fungus that has been found to like uh, infect ants' brains. And somebody down the road many years ago heard about this and was like, oh, that's the basis for my zombie apocalypse. And this has been kicked around in so many different movies and games and, and stories. This, this whole fungus thing is, I, I think, really dumb. I'm okay with it being used here. But I'm so tired of that. Hey, it's the Cordulopsis fungus. I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, it's using 100% of your brain. Turns you into a zombie. Uh, yeah, like Lucy. Yeah. Well, there, but This movie makes it clung. explicit because there, there is that line about uh, you know, so no one's ever responsible for anything responsible to who? I mean, he's making it, it's very clear that he's saying there's no God around here. Well, and I, I think that's ultimately the point, uh, you know, that that's what the movie is exploring. And you're, and you're right, Dingus, this idea that there, there's not only is there no God, there's there's no morality. Uh, there's yeah. no, there's no right. good or evil. And that's one of the reasons I think, by the way, the script is, is really smart and that I like yeah. the, the title, is the way it plays with this idea of Schrodinger's cat and Pandora's <laughs> box and, you know, the cat being both, you know, the, the paradox of Schrodinger's cat is put a cat in a box, is it alive or dead? And first of all, the movie plays with cats. It opens with her putting a picture of a cat up, which Jim Arderton later is given when they've swapped places. Uh, she eats a cat. Um, there's a great little bit. Do you want a cat? I already had one. Uh, yeah. but, uh, Did that upset you at all? Uh, you mean that joke or her eating a cat? Both. Uh, I didn't like her eating a cat, but I, I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, I get upset when an animal – I mean I, I hate when animals get killed in movies, but it doesn't take me out of a movie like it does some people. You know, in the and country, she's you know, a one zombie. Of people, like, like she has it, to. It's a scorpion story. But she has but there's to a bunch of dog lovers who are like, will you just give us a rating that tells us if dogs are getting killed? You know, well, And I'm a the, dog lover, but I, I can handle watching a dog get killed. The dog might have made it. Yeah, exactly. We don't know about the dog here. That dog yeah. might have made. And <laughs> that's, the, at first, I was kind of laughing about that, but I was thinking about the two of you who are very. And I'm a cat person as well, but you guys are really cat people, and I was well, worried that the two I'm of an you animal like, I like dogs this is also. horrible. Yeah, no, no. The, the point of the cat here isn't, hey, let's kill a cat. The point is, it's playing with the Schrodinger's cat concept. It's also right. playing with the idea of a cat being a pet for a normal child. Is she right. a normal child? It's playing with the idea that, no, she isn't because she doesn't have any remorse about having to eat a cat. Uh, it's playing this idea of she has to eat meat to sate herself. So narratively, it, it, it had a very important part. It wasn't just, hey, let's kill a cat to freak people out. 
like the end of Kelly Wan's favorite book, The Fireman by Joe Hill. In the, in the end of that stupid book, it's terrible. We have, a, we have a villain who's tracking people down. In the end of the book, Joe Hill just gives the villain a cat to kill to just show us that he's super evil. It's so dumb. Uh, but the cat has – the fact that a cat gets killed is, is significant here, and it's part of, I think, the good writing because the whole point of the Schrodinger's cat paradox that Glenn Close is toying with Melanie about is if the cat's in the box and you can't see it, it is – the paradox is it's simultaneously alive or dead. And when this is presented to Melanie – She's like, no, no, that's that's silly. It's neither alive or dead. Cats are clever. It got away. Like that's a, yeah. that's a great response right. to the paradox. But it also plays with this idea too of uh, zombies. Are zombies alive or dead? Are they human or are they not? You know, and a lot mm. of people they care about that in their zombie mythology. In Twenty Eight Days Later, which was a, a very important revolution to zombie mythology, they're uh, infected. They never died. They're just people who got infected and turned. Are those zombies people who? You know, this whole idea of undead, it's simultaneously alive and dead, or is it one or the other? Are these children or are they not? Are they human beings or are they not? Um, so all of this stuff, I feel, was, was really good writing, and I really liked the way that it played with that. Uh, and the cat kind of had to be a part of that, I, I think, because Schrodinger decided to make his paradox about a cat and not a dog. Uh, but do you think it's also talking about whether or not fetuses are alive or dead? You mentioned the abortion thing, and I know they they talk about – they say abomination or abortion. Uh, I didn't – I mean I, I just – it felt kind of like a plot gimmick to explain why there's this second generation and to have this grisly imagery of babies eating their way out of pregnant mothers. Yeah, um, yeah and that made me think of uh, Kelly Wan actually because he, he talked about that one baby that ate its way out of – I don't know what movie. They oh, Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh. uh, doesn't the Zack Snyder go on to the dead do that? I forget if the baby. I thought it was a Peter Jackson one. Oh yeah, yeah, dead alive, dead again, alive, dead. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. I immediately but that's thought that's a zombie kid. But they're they're talking about abortions. They, they they reference abortion a few times, and it doesn't it doesn't feel that subtle. And some of the things you're talking about, and kind of think that kind of make me think: Are are you referencing this? You know, or. When does a fetus is when is it alive when it is not that kind of thing when does when does life begin that kind of stuff? Well, it certainly is about the way it explores zombie mythology is exploring the life cycle, and it makes that clear that they have a different life cycle cycle than we do. The fact that before Sergeant Park dies, the last thing he invokes is the human life cycle. Is the fact that uh, you know his wife was pregnant when he last saw her. Uh, you know he he brings up. At the moment that the human life cycle is basically being obsoleted, like he reminds mm. us of that, uh, and and that's kind of what this movie is playing with with zombie mythology is what is the zombie life cycle? You know, where do we go from here? Um, and it kind of with this idea, Dingus, when you say the and Park says, I've never seen anyone who's good or evil. Uh, you know, everybody right. is both basically. And then some. Someone asks him, well, don't, don't you feel responsible? And he says, responsible to whom? Like that's drawing this idea that we're in a world where it's not good or evil. It's not morality. It's certainly not supernatural or religious. It's just which is a dominant species? You know, is, is uh, are zombies just the next stage of evolution for humanity? Is this where it's going, being hijacked by this fungus? Uh, 
you know, should we, if you look at it as a metaphor, be reconciled to death or entropy or chaos or whatever zombies represent? And the movie is basically saying, yes, we should <laughs> yeah. be reconciled to it because we have no say in the matter and right. they, they're going to win. You know, death is always going to win. And it's, it's doing this in the context of a weird story about, hey, what if zombies are caused by a fungus? Um, so I like, too, that it enabled this idea of this towering tree with all the, the spores. It enabled the, – the story was, I think, mainly about Melanie's decision to take mm-hmm. that match and light that up, to basically light a fire that ended humanity with, with one little match based on one little decision. Um, but I don't although, think she sees it as, as ending humanity. She says what, – what does she say at the end there? It's not yours uh, anymore. It's not it's, – yeah, it's, it's not – it's just not yours anymore. Well, it's no, not yeah, over. She, she says that's ending humanity, though. Is why should we die so you can live? Yeah, that's like, a that's, great, great and, moment. Yeah, and that's and and she's decided you're going to die and we're going to live. Like, and that that's a weird thing to me because, and I'm not sure what to th- to think of this. It's almost like, not quite to this degree, but I always, you know, the bridge over the river Kwai is great for wondering. Why does Alec Guinness do that? You know, why does he blow up the bridge? Why is this decision that makes the end of the movie what it is? Why does it happen? And I don't know that it's inherent in Bridge Over the River Quiet. It's just left for you to consider. I kind of feel that way about Melanie's decision. That yeah. discussion she has with Glenn Close, where she gets Glenn Close to admit, yeah, I believe your children. I believe you're alive. You know, I don't believe that you're an it or a thing or right. just a test subject. I do believe you're alive. And I don't, was Melanie tricking her? Does this yeah. convince Melanie, okay, she's right, I'm alive, so therefore I'm going to go ahead and say we prevail over human beings, I'm going to go destroy the earth? I don't really know the answers to these things. I thought she was tricking her just by how she, her body language and her poise when she responds. But also, no, I, I think, think she's Glenn talking Close about had a her own survival. Um, no, I, do, I agree with you, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. But Glenn but, Close uh, didn't make a good pitch for humanity. She didn't go, yeah, well, we should get – because you guys can't make books or literature. You guys can't do art. Like we're – you should sacrifice yourself for the greater species because well, we're more cultured and we can go to space and we did this I, and that. I, and like, I, you guys will just chew on cats. I disagree. I think that she did make a good pitch, and the fact that it didn't work is telling. Her pitch mm. was, don't you love Miss Justino? You know, right. don't you want her to be alive in a world? And Melanie ultimately decides, well, yeah, I love her, but I'm just going to put her in a box for the rest of her life the way right. that I was put in a box. Like, huh. is that vindictive? Right. Is that because she doesn't understand how prohibitive it is to be put in a box? Does she not love Miss Justino? Are these creatures – is this new evolution of humanity, these zombies, are they maybe human or not human? It's a great little bit. When at the end, when Sergeant Parks gives her the gun and she cocks it, and he says, where did you learn that? And she says, oh, I've watched, watched you. Watched that gets you. back to, to Glenn Close's thing early on about you don't know anything. It's all just mimicry. You know, There's nothing mm. inherent in you in terms of love or humanity or learning. You're just mimicking things. So the fact that when she takes the gun from Sergeant Parks and uh, unconsciously invokes, yeah, I just, I just watched you. Like there, There's a lot of ambiguity in this movie about yes. why she does what she does. Is That's this true. Is this, you know, speciesism? Because um, she I, technically needs Justino, too, to teach the kids. You could say she's even being mercenary in that. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, that's one of the things I love about this movie as far as, as far as you know, being a parent, setting an example, teaching, those things. I mean, that, that moment where uh, Justino says, okay, you get to make it up yourselves. 
I've taught in enough classrooms to know that when you tell a kid it, nowadays, it's I, I think it's different, but I'm an older dude, it, you know, you're going to make it up yourself. And the kid goes, well, what should I write? No, you, you get to you get to make it up. But what should I write? I mean, that that blank look that happens, that sort of confused, like, I don't know how to come up with something. It's weird. It's a weird thing that happens. And what they learn is from watching you do things. And that is also true of being a parent or being an adult and being around kids. And they learn from watching you and those kinds of things. I mean, it's just I think those are kind of some of the things that this movie is saying. And I, and again, I promise not to I, I will not bring up abortion again in this discussion i'm sorry to bring it up one more time but what? that that um why do we deserve to what do you deserve to live and not us that line that tom said it's so a really why, good line yeah it's why should be we be the ones who die for you for you mm-hmm. so that is sort of that weird late-term abortion thing that it's, you know we will you can abort a fetus if it means that the mother is mother's life is in danger, and so I don't I don't think that that's what he's saying. I don't think that's what the writer is going for. But it definitely, maybe I'm just watching too much Law and Order lately. Um, but that that weird sort of well, why why well, no, why is that? So I, I do think you know the movie's clearly exploring what's the difference between you know what makes you human, what is she right. human or not, is she a real child or not, and that's at the core, of course, at the at the abortion debate. I mean, there's a lot of abortion that's about. Uh, denying women reproductive rights and there's a lot right. of like male oppressiveness. But at the at the heart of the abortion issue is what makes someone human? What makes something human? When do they become human? What's right. the line between being human and just being a mass of biology? Uh, so in that regard, absolutely, Dingus, I, I completely agree with you. It's, there's a Philip this, K. Dick story. Yeah, go ahead. Called the Pre Persons, um, and it takes place in a society. It's a story that made Ursula K. Le Guin freak out. Fuck you, Kido. What? What are you doing to me? <laughs> And it's uh, it's takes place in a society where you can abort a, a fetus uh, as long as it doesn't yet know higher algebra. So like up until ten years old, you still have that call to make. Whoa! Yeah. Well, that I mean, and that's the sort of thing exploring the abortion issue that you know yeah. where right. where where do you draw that line? It's it's pretty right. arbitrary wherever you draw it. So exactly. yeah, why not draw it at ten years? Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> So that's and my mom, who is who's extremely conservative, used to make jokes all the time when I would bother her, and she would say, "Is there a way to make um, is there a way to make contraceptives um, uh, retroactive? Because you're bothering me." I'm like, "You're talking about <laughs> aborting me, mom. What are you doing?" But she would just make jokes. That's about a good that. line. Yeah, uh, there is, and it's called the Terminator, by the way. <laughs> uh, see. See what uh, did there? <laughs> uh, I loved Glenn Close in this. I loved the yeah. writing of her character. I love how normally in a movie she's going to be the evil scientist. But in this movie, she's right. I mean her motives mm-hmm. are honorable or worthwhile. I mean she's correct in terms of doing the right thing and weighing the most good for the most people. Uh, mm-hmm. she, and, and she's not the typical evil scientist. I love too that That's she's pragmatic. She's pragmatic. She's efficient. When she talks Gemma Arden into putting the fire extinguisher down and then immediately reaches over and maces right. her in the face, like she, mm-hmm. she knows what she has to do. And when Gemma Arden is saying to her, no, she's a child, don't kill her, her line to Gemma Arden at that point, uh, what you're feeling, I respect it, but I can't mm-hmm. afford it. Like that's a great <laughs> bit of dialogue. That's a great <laughs> expression of that yeah. perspective of weighing, yes, of course we need to butcher, to, to, to cut apart, to sacrifice this child – 
to save humanity. I mean, of course we do. That's absurd to think otherwise. There, there's a video game that is mainly worth playing for its story because it has amazing writing in it called The Last of Us, uh, which is about a relationship between a, a young girl in a zombie apocalypse and, a, and an older man. Sort of a father-daughter paradigm. Uh, and Last of Us completely ignored, like at the very end, and maybe that's the point of us, there's this option where, okay, if we kill the little girl, we can save humanity, so naturally we kill the little girl, right? And the fact that the man is like, no, I don't care about humanity. Fuck humanity. I love this little girl. Like that's the wrong decision. That's not the right decision for humanity as a viewer, as an audience member, as a reader. You see that decision and you're like, well, I understand, but that's wrong. You're not doing the right thing. Uh, so I love how Glenn Close's character was never evil. She was never wrong. She was to as tolerant as she could be. Um, but she definitely should have, as, as a human being and not a child zombie or whatever, she definitely should have cut apart Melanie. Like, she had the right idea. Like, I, I was on Glenn Close's side as a human being, and I, I think the movie mm. understands that. Is you watch the movie and you realize, yeah, she's right. When she says, this is going to end the world if, it, if there's ever a brush fire, yeah, she's right. We don't want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and normally the scientists are the evil guys who get it wrong and who, uh, you know, who who either cause the zombie apocalypse or let them loose or are too craven to protect people. Um, so I loved what Glenn yeah. Close was doing in this. Yeah, well, Mark, never gave up. That, Markinson agrees that he was rooting for the humans to figure out a way to win. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a weird place to be in. Is here's this cute, sympathetic girl who, by the way, I thought this was really interesting. In the book, she's, I believe, a, a little blonde white girl. Uh, oh, what? what? Yeah, and I, I don't. Are you I serious? I have no. Not even a white girl that's been uh, taken to Japan to be turned into a robot. <laughs> no, I mean I, I'm not the kind of person to object to ethnicity, but I did find it interesting that she's supposed to be more sort of wholesome and mainstream and relatable in the book by making her a little white girl. And I say relatable, huh. relatable to to the majority. Uh, <laughs> right. But in this, it's a reverse I, I, ghost in the shell. Exactly. Right. Right. Like I like that. Here, here's a, a a young black girl, and there's this sense from that she is different from the majority she's a minority girl and i i applaud that in the casting even though you know i would have rather had some daphne keen in there a little uh, but uh yeah so i like the casting in this uh how did you feel about her kills at the beginning the kills of the soldiers yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Important. First of all, I love that sequence, you know, where Jim Arterton's mm -hmm. just like, okay, I'm dead. I'm going to protect this little girl as best I can. And yeah. the front comes in and, and the gunfire and the poor guy opening the gate who gets dragged down, but it opens the gate yeah. for the truck mm -hmm. to get out. Like, I love that whole sequence. Um, and yeah, it's kind of shocking. It's like, wait a minute, she just killed two people and mm -hmm. fed on them. What I'm not, well, so I, I really like that part. Were you, was it objectionable to you, Dingus? Or no, uh, I'm saying it because. To. Because Alexander Burns, again, I'm just reading a couple of listener emails. He really liked those those first kills. They shocked him. He reminded that uh, this is why I'm saying this specifically because I think this is funny that Alexander says this. It reminded me of Logan in a way, except more graphic. <laughs> and what? As, because I thought Logan was so graphic. Yeah, way less graphic but, than Logan. Yeah. That's one well, problem with the she's kills. She's sitting there chewing right. on stuff, and eh, and then yeah. when she and then the later dialogue, I, I have to give Alexander props because that like she's like uh, in my story. Uh, the the hero didn't eat eat the eat anybody. I mean. I mean, she's sitting there chewing on the flesh, and then she falls. I mean, I do love that whole 
when I eat, I go to sleep because I feel that way sometimes when I have a big meal. But <laughs> yeah, but I understand what Alexander Bruce is saying. But anyway, go ahead, Tom. What do you what do you think about? Does it struck me that her, she didn't have weird teeth though? Like her teeth are a normal child's teeth, and she doesn't have these kind of hellish fangs that would make her less cute. Well, they definitely didn't. I mean, that was part of the point is they didn't want to make her less cute. And that, I imagine, is why she's a a little white girl in in the book is she's supposed to be cute and sympathetic and not look freaky. And and that also the juxtaposition to her just constantly having the blood on the bottom of her on her lower face and her being in that that clear mask, like all that's this freaky uh, cognitive dissonance, isn't it? Is here's this cute, adorable little girl. She's got blood and there's a mask on her face, but yet she's being super polite behind it. There's not this cold Hannibal Lecter stare or anything. She's just a nice little girl and she's got a mask on her. So part of my issue with those kills and where I would disagree with Alexander Burns, I'm so used to like how gore is done in movies. And here mm. it was just some moderate CG stuff with a little bit of pl- practical flesh, but you know, it, if they really could have gone much farther with the idea, further with the idea of her feeding on a human being, and they didn't. Yeah. Like I, I do feel that as, as someone who enjoys zombie movies and who understands how much gore is implicit in zombie mythology, this movie did kind of pull its punches. So those kills yeah. narratively were cool, but in terms of the presentation, uh, they seemed a little bit muted to to, to me. Um, it was grosser when she ate bugs. Yeah, that's what was disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't even know what movie it is yet. The, right, the, right, right. At least exactly. I didn't. I didn't right. know they, yeah, you think that's on. just her rations? Yeah, yeah exactly. Is this and all they're giving these poor kids? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and why is she falling asleep? And well, one of the things that does bother me about this movie, and I, again, I really did like this, is that um, there are times when that kind of thing is convenient or how loud we're going to be is convenient yeah, right. and, and how loud we're not going to be. If it's, if there's a funny quip about radios um, that we're just going to ignore that, that we need to be quiet stuff. I will. Uh, so I, 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 did, I didn't like the, I didn't, I, I was curious about how you guys felt about the, like the diehard little quips that the script was trying to go for. But anyway, I, I will go so far as to say it's never, ever, never a good idea to do a tiptoe through zombies scene. Those never work. Yeah. Walking, Walking Dead loves this idea of, hey, if we slather ourselves in gore, yeah. and only when it's convenient, we can get through right. zombies. Fear the Walking Dead has gone even to ridiculous yeah. lengths with that silliness. Uh, so, I, yeah, this whole tip-toe, tiptoe through zombies and isn't it tense, I appreciate what they're trying yeah. to do, but I always think that's a little silly looking. Especially um, in this one, after what they've just shown us, like, right. those things just tore through the whole compound of the right. army. Yeah, and these these ones that and are sleepy like, and what? yeah, but and I, I, I yeah. guess they tried to say they respond to yeah, don't make eye contact with them. What really? Yeah, <laughs> don't make eye uh, contact, but don't stop their strollers. Well, did you like the stroller thing, Tom? Because I, I kept you know when I was thinking of Kelly one at a certain point, I was thinking of character. you during the stroller thing because you you have a really good take on. Uh, on kids or babies as uh, or kids being turned into right, zombies right. and why that's important to us, and that whole that whole sequence where Glenn Close was about to raise the blanket. This is something Chris Markinson said. I, I I almost dingus. I almost turned this off and ran out of the room. Um, and I was just thinking of you, Tom. I was I was thinking of your theory about kids being turned into zombies. I mean, it's something that zombie mythology struggles with, and and children being zombies. That you know, children dying of cancer. If you think of zombies as as a, a metaphor for disease and decrepitude, the most outrageous instance of that is when it afflicts children who should be living for 60, 70 more years. Uh, so 
children traditionally, when zombies were invented by George Romero in Night of the Living <laughs> Dead, a, a zombie daughter eating her mother is a prominent, horrifying mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it's part of mm-hmm. what's horrifying about zombies is, yeah, this happens to everyone. It happens to children. You know, the uh, before Walking Dead became a, a risable soap opera, uh, it, it did some really cool things with zombies, and there's a moment – that anybody who's watched it will know is uh, Sophie in the Barn. That was a great yeah. moment in Walking Dead. Um, you know, Killian Murphy having to talk about killing a little boy when they stop at the rest stop in 28 Days Later. Uh, oh. Children children being a part of this, it's an important part of the mythology, and it shouldn't and, – and that's why I applaud, by the way, the way that this movie wants to explore that. But my problem with the stroller, and I have a couple of questions about this. Why was there one zombie pushing a stroller around? Like, are you know, Glenn Close? Hours. Yeah, doing sleep hours. Glenn Close obviously says, you know, I've never seen that before. Do some of these zombies still remember their humanity? What was up with that? Because if are, are we now implying that yeah, they still have their hu- humanity, even this first generation? Um, I wasn't clear why they were doing that, other than a, oh, you're going to see a zombie baby. Nope, psych, it's his rat. It's scary. It's gross. Yeah, uh, I, that's so I don't, worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, how was she going to react if it was a decomposing zombie baby or something? And it seemed like the wrong around. character to freak out too. Like, yeah, yeah, the yeah Glenn exactly. Close character, right, right. And then the whole but, point, so, so they have to run, and then you go, wait, the shots aren't waking them up. They should be so right. dead right now. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, and here's another question I have that maybe you guys have an answer for it, but I think the movie. I'm not mistaken. I think the movie just skipped this. So in that weird early moment, and if you don't know this is a zombie movie, this is a really disarming moment when Gemma Arterton uh, uh, pats her on the head, pats Melanie on the head, and then the sergeant, Patty Considine, comes in and is like, don't do that. And he holds his arm in front of the little kid, and the kid starts biting and snapping, and then everybody else in the room starts biting and snapping. Like it's a communal thing that, that they all respond to like like birds – you know, leaving a tree or something. Why doesn't Melanie do that? Hmm. Like at that moment, she later does it when Jim Arterton comes to visit her. But why isn't she? It, what's exceptional about Melanie? Well, I think she is exceptional, and I think that she's the one with hope. I mean, that's it. That's the kind of part of the title is that is that she can control some of that. And one of the things that Dr. Caldwell is doing when she says. When she comes to Melanie's uh, cell and says, "Give me another number," as you know, you know, the jury's still out. We're not sure you're the one, or who who is going to be able to give us this. Uh, this oh, thing I thought that's that was just about the jury's to... out on whether it was mimicry. No, it's it's the jury's out on whether or not you're the one who's going to be able to provide us with the vaccination that we need. Uh-huh. And so they're looking for the one who can most control what she's doing, to because that would be. That which that's the vaccination that will most probably help them, I'm guessing. Um, but I think Melanie is special because she has that gift and she is able to to have hope. That's part of that point of that whole Pandora's box thing. And, and again, this is one of those things, most wonderful things that I love about um, the things that we've done in this podcast is that. One of the lessons that Tom has kind of taught me is, you know, when somebody is teaching a lesson, pay attention to why they're teaching that particular lesson. Right. Um, and so I think that, 
even though it's a very simplistic, the uh, uh, Promethe- uh, uh, Epimetheus Prometheus thing and, and Pandora's box and why hope is important. And I think that it's important that she's the one who can create a story, is willing to create a story and has connection, a human connection and the most human connection for the others, for whatever reason, gestationally or or developmentally, uh, the other kids in the room are basically going to be picked off and have their brains harvested one at a time. Uh, why Dr. Caldwell falls for it when um, Melanie actually says number four is beyond me, other than plot convenience. But I think that's part of it. Well, I always I resist this idea huh. of just for the plot, we're going to have one exceptional zombie. Right. And, yeah. and when... Uh, one of our favorite zombie Bub. movies, I think all of us. No, Bub is stupid. Bub is so. George Romero, by the way, jumped the shark so many times. The What's last Bub? landed. Was the last. Bub? Uh, so Bub is a zombie who becomes like a pet in Dawn, Day of the Dead, the third uh, uh, of the, the George Romero he zombie movies. Shoots the movie. bad guys. It's so dumb. Uh, but George Romero, by the way, you want to talk about dumb? His last movie in that series, uh, he did a few more that I don't know if they're supposed to be part of that zombie universe but at any rate his last official one that was part of that universe land of the dead ends with this idea that you know what maybe zombies are just misunderstood and we should reconcile with them and we could we could be at a detente with zombies so stupid so dumb it's just done sort of artlessly romero lost it he's just an old man now which is sad uh, because he invented this stuff but it's really sad to see how crappy his zombie movies are but i always resist this idea of just for plot contrivance we're gonna have one zombie who does who breaks the rules and you can't break the rules like zombie zombie mythology is so rules based in terms of uh, what it's trying to explain and how it's creating the, the interaction and what the zombies can do. You know, if you break the rules, you're just walking dead and you're doing whatever on any given episode. Right. And the example that I think we most bemoan, at least Dingus and I, Kelly Wan, I presume you're there with us, is uh, in Juan Carlos Fresnadillo's uh, 28 Weeks mm-hmm. Later, is the Robert Carlyle zombie can escape death and do magical stuff, and even though he's got the rage virus, he's still intent on tracking down his own children. He's got this sort of paternal regard for. But you don't yeah. think he's real, and I do. We'd no, 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 we, we don't. No, I, I. That's just a last ditch effort to try to salvage. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Oh, but really? I thought you almost convinced me. No, it's something that the movie doesn't bear that out. Uh, I think it, like, it was. No. It was one possible. Daughter like that. Right. It was one possible interpretation, but I, I don't think. The movie has oh, that. But I they, don't think that's what this movie is doing. Well, they, they, you're, bas- you're basically right, Ding, is you're saying that there are there are exceptional people, so there are also exceptional versions of this second generation of zombie. She happens well, to be one of them. Too. It's it's yeah, not just yeah. that there's there's exceptional people or exceptional versions of zombies. It's it's the doctor is doing something that's akin to uh, isolating a protein or 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 figuring out which which one of these. Uh, particular chemicals or chem- how this chemistry is going to work. This one isn't going to, so I'm going to eliminate that. This one isn't going to, though it's a little closer, I'm going to eliminate that. And I think that this whole thing of these kids in this room, for her, is just a scientific process that she's telling herself is, okay, well, number 13 obviously isn't, but number four, called out number 13, so yeah, uh, I really just think it's a it's a scientific process that's no different for her than looking at a, a, a nucleotide or something. Okay, sure. Yeah. But it, I mean, it makes it less dramatic. But I, I understand your objection. And it's not even. I mean, you, you just the by virtue of the movie being about her, I'm okay with with 
that they want yeah. to make her distinct and special. And uh, uh, what did we think of uh, just the direction? Any really good moments? Dingus, you mentioned a couple of overhead shots you really appreciated. Uh, as a director, how do you think Cole McCarthy did? Uh, for me, uh, first of all, I love the term hungries and yeah. it's more writer. I, I yeah. just like that. They called them hungries. Dingus, I don't know if you know this in walking dead, every different community of human beings has a different word for wow. uh, what they are. And I think to our heroes, they're walkers to other people. I forget, but there's a, there's a community of, uh, people on a beach. Kelly, one of those beach people, they call them floaters, <laughs> which, is this fear? I don't watch it. No, no, no. In regular Walking Dead, this past season, there's a bunch of people on a beach that are oh, in Masterson's last season. Okay. Well, at any rate, Dingus, in, in Stupid Walking Dead, every community has a different word for zombies. But no one says zombies. And there, no one says zombies. And they're all each one is dumber than the next. So I'm with you in that. I like <laughs> yeah. I liked Hungries. Yeah. Hungries oh, thank good. goodness! I thought you were going to say you were in, in year two liking something. No, like no, that. no. I was good with Hungries. Was good. Uh, Mike. Carey. The cat haters. Because yeah. <laughs> I loved Hungries. I liked – I've never heard uh, – Patty Considine's character said something like, you need to go on recce. I, oh, I love that. Recce. Yeah, for, for uh, reconnaissance. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to do, do a quick recce, he said. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. He also said <laughs> – would... He said he was in the Terries, like before it all started. Yeah. Oh, is yeah, does that mean National Guard? Is that British? Well, I think it was territories, like he was stationed in India or oh, something. Oh, the territory. Right, territory. That's good. Shit, yeah. see? Yeah, when she asks him if, if he's ever killed a kid, and he says Terry's, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Do I need to look that up? Uh, I just like that. I like stuff like that. Terry's yeah. and, and Hungry's. And, uh, if I was a Walking Dead character, I'd call them biteys. That's in there, Kelly Wan. One of the communities calls them biters. So what? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't? Um, didn't the governor's community? Didn't they call them biters? I could be wrong, but yeah, Kelly Wan. Walking Dead has thought of all the stupid names for zombies already. There are none left. <sighs> Haha, ha, you still watch it. Um, so one of my best best, best little things that I thought, I, I really yes, liked you, that. You mentioned two of them, Dingus. What are the two best little thingies that you found? Right, the, I loved that running down the hallway thing. Oh, I my God, was, what an awesome shot. Yeah. And she's just yeah. standing there talking yeah. as the shutter closes. and they're just That talking. was a great bit of filmmaking, yeah. Yep. Because you don't know exactly, okay, you know they're coming in. You don't quite – you're not quite sure how dire this fence thing is because is this normal or not? And well, okay, also, we're going to put yeah. the shutter are those, down. Are those soldiers Did she see him and she's not reacting? Because she's not worried. Right, Tom. You're right. Is, are those soldiers or not? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it unfolds and she's just saying, yeah, I think that mask is over there. You can get it. Like she has no idea. It's that whole Hitchcock <laughs> thing about uh, the bang is never as terrifying as the anticipation. Uh, is. <laughs> You know, it's never scary to see someone being eaten as someone is about to be eaten and they don't know it and it's coming up behind them. Right. That's great. And their last thoughts are something stupid. Yeah. And if you and as you watch it a second and a third time, you see, okay, one of them is taking a soldier down in the front there. Or the, back there at the beginning. Okay, all right, now I can see how it's developing. But the first time you see it, it's just oh my god, I just love that moment. Yeah. So Freaking I much. like the first shot of the fence, too, where you're like, wait, that's not even going to last 10 minutes. <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> you go, oh, it's movie fence, though. So. Well, that just and reminds me of Resident see it Evil. Go. There's so many things that remind yeah. me of Resident <laughs> Evil in this movie that I really like. And I, I was trying to remember <laughs> a couple of them in a good way. Um, mm. uh, there's No one has gifts. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees. 
There's one. I mean, two. Two gifts. Four? Right. The eyes are good. Kelly one, I'm curious. I thought about you during this. So sometimes in a movie, you've got the super hot chick, and you put glasses on her, right? So you don't know she's hot. Here, they put like those baggy cargo pants and the bulky sweater on Jim Arterton. Were you following? I know what's in it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a teacher, and I, you know, we all have the the math teacher, the hot math teacher. There aren't actually any hot math teachers, and she didn't teach math. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> well, it was funny watching it. Thinking, I, I bet they think they're making her not look as hot by putting that unflattering right. outfit on her. And I was like, Boy, nope. this zombie apocalypse has been really hard yeah. on Jim They really had to doubt her. I but wonder what she did. And they're even, they're even close-ups on her where you can tell that they didn't put a lot or any, any probably there's some makeup on her but there are close-ups on her yeah. where it's clear that she doesn't have like makeup on and i'm like nope still not working she's super hot you're gonna have to work harder yeah. <laughs> she's the rich man's felicity jones or whatever oh, God, those lips just oh jim arterton way too hot distractingly hot terrible casting terrible terrible casting movie kelly what? have you seen no, the disappearance of the last human uh, have you seen the she's disappearance the of alice creed yet yeah kelly wand hasn't even seen disappearance of, speaking of her being distracting kelly wand which one am I missing? <laughs> Both. The one where she's uh, the one where it's her name. Her name's like Jaundice McPhee or something. And she's wearing like of, short shorts. Are you thinking of Gemma Bovary or no? Matt, no, wait. What? I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> I have Gemma seen Bovary. the one you're talking about. Is she goes out in the countryside? Starring Jim Arden and Gemma Bovary. She's what? Super. She's super scandalous with all the old people. Yeah. She's wearing the short. The Daisy. She used Duke to be cutoffs. fat when she was a teenager, right? And then she just seduces everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but That's then there's a good an, movie. There's another movie where half of it people are speaking French. Is that Madame yeah. Bovary? Something where half of it people are speaking French, and she's in it, and she's naked in a few scenes, and it's uh, whatever. What? She's naked. Did. Jaundice McPhee, I think. Is that McPhee? That's a, yeah, that's from straight out of Dickens. Yeah, that's a name I say lustfully. Picture, picturing Jim Arden. Is there a name you don't say lustfully? Um, Trump. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, let's do a three by three. But before we do a three by three, uh, you guys are in Kelly. so much trouble. We're getting so what are you talking about? Yep. Probably because we told Trump cars not to awesome? see a movie. And really, nope. You really We're, loved Jupiter Ascending, as it turns out. It is so good. Tan and Chater. Whoa, whoa. Shut up. I'm kidding. Get over here. Get over here to the woodshed. Bend over. I got a switch right here. I'm kidding. Here's the deal. I rewatched, because I was sure you guys were wrong, Dread. You guys oh. are all like, no, he's not a dick. He gave her, he pushed her down and gave her the drugs. There's a bomb that's going to set up. I think he watched it wrong again. You guys are so in the doghouse because you both, because he is a dick to her. First of all, here's the deal. She's a villain. Mama has she's wired. A dick to him. She's a villain, but Mama has wired the building to explode. Right. Where the thing is going to blow up if she dies. Right. Right. So he's yeah. like, whatever. We're not negotiating. He shoots her in the side where she's not dead yet. Right. And he's like, well, let's see what the range is on that little uh, transmitter thing, because he knows. Right. Throws her over the edge of right. the building at the 200th story down that atrium. He is so she has to stay alive. First of all, he doesn't throw her over the edge of the building. He throws her into the center of the building. I just said atrium, dingus. That's close enough. All right. Atrium. Atrium. <laughs> it's not – it's not – She's not going to die on the way down. She's going to get killed at the fall. And he just gives her the drug 
to be a dick so that the fall is drawn out and she's the whole time down. No, it slows her heartbeat. It doesn't matter. Her heartbeat doesn't have to be slow. She's not going to die. Let me just say this. I just watched I watched the movie more recently (laughs) than you. You guys are both dildos for misleading me and making me think I was wrong when you guys are you're right. It's yep. a mistake, and I think the filmmaker actually meant to do what me and Dingus are saying, and he well, just went, don't he, get he, it. I see. So authorial intent is that Judge Dredd is not a dick to Mama. Well, I need to watch it again and see how dumb you are, because I remember getting this when it happened. Like, oh, how clever. He's stopping her heart slowly with the drugs she likes. How ironic. Poetic justice. Yeah, there's nothing to support that in the movie whatsoever. He just says uh, something about judge, okay? He says something about the range of the transmitter. <laughs> And then he picks her up. No, and that's the thing, is he does his whole, this is I, just, I sentence you to death for doing X, Y, and Z. And then he just takes the little crack pipe thing, and he puts it in her mouth and squirts it. And he's like, yeah, suck it. And then he throws her out uh, out the window into the atrium. He's All being right, a first dick. off, it's wrong to de- delegitimize the judiciary like you're doing <laughs> and calling him a so-called judge. But also, <laughs> atriums um, are better for what he's doing. Also, Kelly, I think our opinion is basically the drug that's making Tom relive this experience in slow motion. Yeah, I did love this. I don't think he gets the drug. He doesn't mention it. Uh, That's what's going on. And those with the drug really are cool. But he's just he's just being a vindictive dickhead to mama. There's no reason for him to do that. It makes wait. If that was a guy, just call him a vindickhead. Yeah, vindickhead. Right, vindickhead. Yeah, that Carl Urban Mm. shit. All right, Kelly Wan, so I just wanted to point out you guys are wrong. I'm right once again, just like circumferences. They're infinite circumferences. Just like Dwayne Johnson would have made a better Indiana Jones. <laughs> Everyone agrees. <laughs> Kelly Wan. What Fuck is you, chick. <laughs> Dread's awesome. Dread rules. That's a good date. Fuck you. Fuck it. Z-Bone, please. Homophobia. That's the part I don't like. So uncool, Z-Bone. Yeah, yeah. At least I guess you hate Tom, but he's not gay. And he didn't call me a retard, so... And if he was, it's fine, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's this week's 3 by 3 Three. Speaking of things being... I'm flying. so excited about it. Yeah, what is it? What do you got for us? The three best flying cars. All right, Dingus, you're not seeing the next topic. So start mm-hmm. us off. What is your third best flying car, and what was your approach to this topic? All right. <laughs> <laughs> That that alone justifies me make, picking the topic. Is Tom having to say that? <laughs> All right. So flying cars, dingus. My uh, approach to this topic is understanding that um, there's such a thing as uh, a flying squirrel, which is just something that's <gasps> basically falling, mm-hmm. but Rocky. it's flying kind of. Kelly, I want to hope you arrest him. Go on. Still, still called a flying squirrel. So my first one would be the A-Team movie because I think the tank is basically an armored car. I thought of this one, so I can't quite arrest you because I was going, that's a really good one. <laughs> well, that's Remember when favorite. Jessica Biel's all, they're trying to steer it, or she says it annoyed, like, they're trying to drive it <laughs> by shooting it? Oh, that's else. right. They're using physics. They're using the third yeah. the third. The uh, law of thermodynamics, I believe. Yeah, while screaming, "Woo!" It's called the third. It's called the third rail of, of thermodynamics. And then no, they land on that fisherman's wife or something. <laughs> or they land on the fisherman, and the wife saw <laughs> that shows you, idiot. The tank landed on you. So Kelly, when you're okay terrible. with this, you're not, so, you're not pulling him over. Right? Um, 
I'm being generous, but it's a really good pick. So I'm kind of letting him slide because it's like he flashed me his knobs. <laughs> uh, Dingus, how like, much? Well, all right, you earned it. We mentioned on the Free Fire podcast that it can be difficult to weigh how much Charlotte Copley should be in a movie. How did A-Team do on that front? Uh, I think A-Team I, – I think – yeah, I, I agree with Kelly. I think it balances it pretty well because I think he's a good choice for Murdoch. I, yeah. love the, I love the character of Murdoch. I love him. And I think mm-hmm. that Charlotte Copley can handle that. Yeah. Okay. I remember uh, not liking that movie at the time, but I think that's my dread and I need to revisit it. You know who directed that movie, Kelly Wand? Uh, fucking uh, rundown guy. The director? No, no, no. The director of the Gray. Ew, that's not true. Yep. Carnahan? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I'm gonna Crazy. get thrown in jail. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> All right, Dingus is uh, on uh, Skid Row, where the dead prisoners walk. Wait, what? That's not Skid Row. <laughs> Skid Row is something that's. I mean, death row. death row. Death row. Dead yeah. row. Death Row and Skid Row, you don't have the authority to put anyone in Skid Row. That'd be a bummer for if you lived on Skid Row and you found out, oh yeah, by the way, uh, you're also... <laughs> this is doubling this Death Row, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't catch a break. You. All right, I took a very different tack than Dingus in that I chose cars that are generating lift. Because to me, so that Tom's is... Tom's taking a tack, so he's using sailing terms, Kelly? Absolutely. He's under arrest. Yeah, under arrest. No, these cars all generate lift. None of them is falling or flying. I didn't choose the police car in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, although I could have. These are all cars that generate their, one? their own lift. It's not flying. There's no jail time flying. for that one. <laughs> do, you, do you then concede that the cops didn't die in th- Close no. Encounters of the Third Kind? The cops that follow the UFO off the cliff, their car catapults out. You claim that Spielberg did not shoot a scene of them getting out of the car going, Whoa, we're okay. But we're No, here. those cops are the ones who found the dead ones that you see. <laughs> okay. They're like, yeah, we're okay. These ones in the car, though, they're dead. But anyway, that car was not was not generating lift. It was falling. It was not flying. That you know, And Dingus is right. A flying squirrel. <laughs> That's true. You know, does a glider fly? I guess some people would say so. But for me personally, I gave myself the challenge of choosing cars fly? that generate lift. <laughs> Shut up, Kelly. Lift. I'm explaining does the, is physics. Is lift is a free, house, actual term or are you just a, using it for something? Lift is a term. It's, lift, it's a, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, an airplane lift. generates by Bernoulli's principle, Kelly Wong. The noun lift. Yeah, an airplane moving forward, the density of air above an airfoil, a wing, is lighter than the density of air below it, so therefore it is That all sounds up. legit. That is the called lift. lift. That dynamic right. is called lift. And so these lift. cars all generate lift. None of them is just falling or soaring. Uh, so anyway, here we go. My number three pick is the only one that I'm not sure about. I hope I don't get in trouble for this. It's really a truck and not a car. And the only reason I'm picking this is I don't remember the names of any of the other ones. But my number one is – and I'm pretty sure this guy can fly. I hope I'm right. My, num- my number three pick is Optimus Prime. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, good what? lord. Can he fly? The he can fly? Yeah, good. That's what I was worried about. So he can fly. He's also a truck. So – he turns into a flying robot. Wait, but he's, whoa, back up. Can he what? fly? Because he's always crawling around buildings. Heck, like he I hope fly. I was wrong. Okay, well, I'm going to pick a transformer that can fly. You know, uh, that Bumblebee? Starts- there you go, that one. Uh, I don't None of them can fly. If they could fly, there wouldn't be. they wouldn't have to turn into cars, would they? They could just stay as planes. <laughs> Dadgummit, are you right? Oh, shoot. You think the Transformers can fly? 
I forgot. Can they? I don't think so. How do why they get to, listeners? Like, why are they saying here? Should Tom be in jail? How do they get to like the scene of the crime that they're fighting or whatever? How do they get from space? I guess they turn into spaceships. Then they fly. Star Is flying? Is it Starscream the one who turns from a boombox into a jet? Uh, it's not a car though. Shoot. Is a boombox a kind of a car? All right, I'm taking you out of jail because I might be dumb. Okay. Well, I'm picking you courts out of dumb. Is a boombox a kind of a car? I just realized that if Starscream. Flagpole on the boat with the boombox. So, I will have to post this. What was your choice? (laughs) Uh, Optimus Prime. And I'll pick the Transformers movie that doesn't suck Transformers Age of Extinction, Optimus Prime. (laughs) The Wahlberg one? He flies the good one, of course. The one where the guy says, my face is my warrant. That's another guy. That's Titus Welliver. Yep. Oh. It's Bosch. I have to care who it is. Isn't his yeah. name Connor? <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's Optimus your... Optimus Prime? I, don't, I couldn't think of another Transformer. I don't know their names. What's the... What's Wait, the but you don't think of flying cars before Transformers? You go, hmm, look, I can't think of a single flying car in a movie. Me too. I know. Too. Robots. Good. That's the thing, Kelly Wan, is it has to generate its own lift. <laughs> lift. Which, which we've established, we have no idea if the Transformers are even doing. So after all that explanation of what Lyft is... I'm pretty quotes. sure they can fly. So Tom's choosing Lyft, we're choosing Uber. I thought he was going to choose uh, Cersei from Dread, because she's flying because the drug is extending her fall to the point where she has Lyft. It's kind of... It's the drug is lifting her spirits. It's like a flying Shame. high, isn't it? Yeah, it's when you're stoned, you're flying high, sure. But uh, no, I did not pick that. Kelly Wand... Third favorite flying car. Let's let's find out from the authority, the guy who picked the topic, what sorts of things should we expect from this topic? Okay, uh, my t- my theme is that they're all awesome. So far, so are mine and Dingus's. Mm, Optimus Prime's awesome. I lift. Guess, okay, he's really awesome when he uses his lift transforming ability. It's physics, Kelly Wand. Look it up. Is it? Is it really, though? My number Bernoulli, three best... Bernoulli's what? Principle. Bernoulli's Principle. Google it. Let me show you... I'm just going to point out how many flying cars you didn't think of. Okay. Including Dingus's tank. Well, no, I've got two more, so you might be picking one of them. Are there. they either Transformers? Nope. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> when's a Terminator? When's a Trancer? Terminators can't fly. Don't be ridiculous. Uh, actually, yeah. The one in three... Those stupid plane ones. Remember when, that Dingus, don't do anything? Remember when Dingus thought that Jason Clark uh, turned into a bunch of nano, <laughs> uh, swirling nano stuff in Planet of the Apes? Dingus finds that annoying when we mention it. To me, it's my favorite thing Dingus has ever done. So there's always a way to distract from something weird Thomas said by saying something dumb I said. But God, Dingus, Thomas that really dumb every minute. And we can't keep track of them all. You said <laughs> one dumb thing once. He thought that Jason Clark turned into a swirl of nanobots in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, in Planet of the Apes. I know. It's, and it's the title of the movie tells you you're not in the right <laughs> Planet of the Apes? Oh, yeah, the one with the robots. That's what Dingus's brain said. And then he went, you wait, wait, it takes a car. It's got wheels. <laughs> Treads are wheels. Day, day. Then Tom's all, yeah, robots lift. Oh, that's what Kelly had in mind. Well, all right, Kelly, show us. That's how why done. he said robots and lift. In the topic name: best robot with lift in a movie. Flagpole. Let's see. I can't use that. Jk, I like what's you. A, what's a boat with a flying car in water? 
The word flying <laughs> is going to be really evocative, and everyone would go, oh, flying car. Oh, so many flying cars in movies. Car flies in every movie. What movie doesn't have a flying car? And then Tom's like, well, one of them flies, the robot, walk or Mark Wahlberg. You'll see my number one, one, one number turns two. into a plant. <laughs> I've got Plastic two good ones. Plant. You'll see. My number three best flying car in a motion picture is from the motion picture Blues Brothers, directed by John Landis. And I really like it because it's a cop car. Wait, it's not a cop car. No, it's a cop car. They're using it's a, not a, a cop car. It's not. He's talking wait, about the Pinto. Well, oh, the Pinto with the Nazis. The Nazi Pinto, right? Yeah, the Nazi Pinto. And I love it because there's no explanation of why it's flying. It's like... <laughs> they just like go off a weird ramp or something, and then suddenly they're like four thousand feet in the air, <laughs> and then one of them turns to the other and goes, "I love you." I've and always all, loved you. He says, "I've, yeah, I've always, always loved, loved, you. loved you." Come on. And it's technically not flying, I guess, but the fact that it's flying out of nowhere makes it flying. That's beautiful. I love that pig. Blues Brothers. I guess it's Everyone. theoretically like a Zeppelin, a lighter-than-air craft, you could say. Yeah, and they're Germans. Yeah. Now, isn't um, Flight of the Valkyries playing at that moment? Probably. Yeah, I think so. That movie uh, has a pretty low bar. <laughs> Rollers. <laughs> Shit. Come on, that movie's great. Let's watch Blues Brothers 2000 and see if it holds up. Ooh. Way to bring the room down. And Carrie Fisher's super cute in Blues Brothers. Oh, I know. Remember? remember? Yeah. She's adorbs. Oh, I know. Man. Everything she's, about Blues Brothers is cute, isn't it? She's hot. Dude. I have this va- yeah, I have this, this vivid hot. recollection of her in like a sewer or a tunnel, and she's stopping with them, and she's got a gun on yeah. them. And she's yeah. so cute in that. She has a yeah. machine gun. Yeah, yep. yeah. I posted a frame of her doing that because she's really hot with that gun. Yeah. And she has this whole manual about making a bomb and whatnot. She's and that's her take on, oh, you jilted me at the altar, so I'm going to come after with a machine Right, gun. right. Yeah. I'm going to blow up your apartment. And they don't even bother. They're, they're totally incurious why she's doing it, even though John Belushi should know because he was he was going to be married to her. And then he's like, what? Then he makes a bunch of dumb excuses and then throws her in the mud and then runs off. And then that's the that's resolved. She's like, All right, cool. I'm not going to chase you anymore. <laughs> Is incurious like inflammable? Yeah, no, it's the opposite of curious. George Bush, incurious. It's a word, right? All right. No, I was just in wondering because I always get confused with inflammable and flammable. No, those are the same, but curious yeah. and incurious, not the same. Yeah. Okay. Whew. All right. Good. Dingus, third favorite flying car in a movie is. Oh, All right. <laughs> this would have to be the character Roman Pierce. Do you know who that is? <laughs> is it Fast and Furious? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Tyrese? Woo! Yeah, it's Tyrese. <laughs> See, yeah, I know the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, which, and which one, though, Dingus? Because there's eight of them. It's the seven there's one. There's a lift in this one. No, it's Uber. So it's uh, it's him. He's He, he demands oh – I love him. I really do love Tyrese. I love the way he develops in this series. He's just so great. Um, he demands to be the one to make the plan. I don't know if you guys saw the seventh one before we actually yeah. watched the eighth one. Um, but he demands to make the plan. He's like, I want to make the plan. We're going to land here. And uh, the army dude's like, yeah, well, there's no way to get there. <laughs> well, we got to get there. And then, of course, um, Taj, who's played by uh, – I can't remember. Ludacris. Ludacris, thank you. Ludacris, duh. Uh, I think if you Taj have any other like, questions about Fast and Furious movies, I'm the one to ask. 
All right, I no, will definitely, I, I will definitely address you. Um, so Tasha's like, yeah, I can, uh, I'll, I'll set that up. But this is your plan, and so Roman's like, yeah, I'm making the plan. This is where we're going to land, and so the choice is to fly this huge plane over this area in, uh, I think it's Ukraine, and drop the cars. And uh, Roman is just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay up here and monitor everything you guys uh, you're going to be fine uh don't worry about it i can't do this and they're all flying out of their they're all in their their cars flying they know down. which movie it is and and he's just like i'm not going to do this and then of course brian says to taj uh you got this yeah i got this and uh, taj has, has preset so that he can remote uh, activate an extra parachute that will pull um uh, Roman's car out of the plane uh, and he, he, he came out and then it, it's just that the way that he's flying down and it, the way his character is I love that I love that I love that whole sequence if I could choose a sequence Kelly I would just choose a sequence but you said flying car so I'm choosing Roman I'm choosing Roman's flying car in, uh, in Fast and Furious 7 remember he flies behind the trees you think he's out of it and then he just comes he like in the middle of a chase, like ten minutes. So he's all he just like comes smashing through the trees. All, I'm back, bitches. Yeah, because I totally Woo! expected when we first saw this that at some point there would be just looks like, hey guys, and his car was in a tree somewhere. Yeah. But it, it's it's <laughs> hilarious that they they don't care about it. They don't care about any of the physics. They're just yeah, he's gonna yeah. find a road and oh, it's just woods. Drive down okay, it. we'll use parachutes on the cars. That'll solve the tree problem. <laughs> And then <laughs> Dominic Toretto is surrounded by the cars, and he's got Missande next to him. And then Kurt Russell's watching somehow, and he's like, don't worry, he's got this. I know Dominic Toretto. And then his plan is to just drive down the cliff and, cat and turn over a thousand times. But he's tough, so he flexes his muscles so it doesn't hurt. It's fucking great. Daddy's got to go to work. That's not Dominic Toretto. That's I know, Rock. but I love that movie. All right. <laughs> That's why my my negative feelings towards eight are only because seven's so beautiful. For the reasons Dingus just elucidated. My negative, parachutes. my negative mm-hmm. feelings towards seven are because eight is so beautiful. No, too much mm. Vin. He's too... And we got robbed of the Statham Rock fight because of Vin's fucking dumb ego. Sorry, right. stand you know? by it. Kelly, Seven. why was eight? Why was eight really bad? Dingus, we did a whole <laughs> podcast. Don't get him started. It's not really bad. It's just not as good as seven. It's a lesser seven. It's a minor Dominic. All right. Well, why was six afraid of uh, seven? Ah, uh, seven, eight, nine. Like you. Oh, good lord! I don't think <laughs> You think Dingus has been hanging around a twelve-year-old? All right, yeah. my second favorite ca- flying car, and this is a car that generates its own lift. It is driven by Edward James Olmos. Oh. Huh. Do you guys know what this hmm. is? Is it the one oh, where they stand behind I thought you were saying it was the movie driven. No, <laughs> no, no. Edward James Olmos is driving this flying car. Oh, is it Blade Runner? By me. It's called a spinner. The spinner's in Blade Runner, yeah, which are – uh, I guess they can drive along on the ground, but they also can take off and fly around. And they were designed by a fellow named Sid Mead, who was a production designer slash futurist for movies like uh, Alien and Blade Runner. 
uh, Tron. Why did those did those count? Did those count as cars? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They can drive like around cars. on the ground too. They have like a drive right. mode and a fly mode, and it even says like before it flies, like there's a little screen that says I think it says like purge, and then it spits out a bunch of steam and takes off. Uh, Been on that you know, day. And it, and it's a it was a practical effect too, like well everything. Like you can see, they had a model of a spinner that lifts up like on a forklift or whatever, and the steam comes out to obscure the the thing lifting it up. But it looks really cool, like when the spinner takes off, and then it flies around Los Angeles and lands on the police station. Uh, so that's you know because we were promised flying cars in the future. Sid Mead and Ridley Scott finally gave us a really cool one. Hopefully there and I don't why are they called spinners? They do spin when they park. That's a really good point. I think that maybe the wheels spin to create lift. Why are they called Blade Runners? Ah, well, that Kelly Warren, you're absolutely right. Like Blade Runners, <laughs> like it's it, it it's because a, it's, a, it's a future dystopian society where nothing's named for what it does. Right, and it's certainly a better title than the Philip K. Dick short story. Oh, what? That's a great on, title. You're, you're going to make a movie called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? No, it's a good novel title though. Okay, but not a movie title. Ridley Scott yeah, did kind the of right. a dumb movie title. Ridley Scott or Hampton Fancher, whoever came up with that, did the right thing. Because the answer is yes or no, and then that should be your title. They well, do. Why, why are assassins called assassins? Because of the Hashashans, those are those uh, Arabic ones. Very good, Kelly Wand. Wow, you were on. Although that. why they're called that is another story. I guess. Uh, well, Kelly Wand, what's the second favorite? Your second favorite flying? Oh, car? sorry. I zoned out. Um, <laughs> since we started, my number two is uh, <laughs> Does that music mean anything to you? Chuck Kelly. Is it from? No, I don't know. I'm not going to guess. No. Come on, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Man. It's the fucking oldest oh, yeah. model bang, bang. flying car. Hello. Before the I thought big that was three a bed. Were they Tucker. just flying on a bed? That's a bed. You're flying on a no. bed. No! Right? That's for the oh. boat. That's when it floats. I had a Chitty Chitty right. Bang Bang toy when I was a kid. I was really intrigued that it, it's like, it could fly anyway, but then I, why would it go on the water? I want to just fly over the water. But then, so, All right, nah. so are you going to honestly tell me you've actually seen the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Fuck yeah. All right. The novel's written by Ian Fleming. James Bond and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang came from the same dude. Is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang alive? No. He's oh. just cool. But Dick Van Dyke invented him, and he makes a lot of fun things. When Dick Van Dyke's trying to seduce his boss's daughter, and her name's, like, simply scrumptious, because she's, like, a hot, blonde Victorian girl. And then he invents a, a suite called Tooth Sweets, and there's a child catcher, and there's, like, a... They go to, like, a European country that's freaky. It's great. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The car's almost not even part of the movie. That's how good the car is. We have but a flying named- car anyway. It's, is the car called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, or is that Dick Van yeah. Dyke's name? Or okay, no, it's the name of the car. Wait, you haven't seen the movie? No, why would I see that? It's for kids. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, because it's fucking crazy. It's weird. It freaked me out when I was a kid. It's one of the free. It's like uh, Wizard of Oz, another movie you haven't seen. Ew, no, I've seen that. I don't like it. Wizard of Oz is dumb. Uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's cooler than the Wizard of Oz. All right, I mean it's Dick zany. Van Dyke. Okay, oh yeah. zany. Oh, that'll get. I guess next you're gonna want me to watch Jerry Lewis movies. No. Those are zany. I don't. A lot happens in Shitty Shitty Bang Bang. <laughs> a lot happens to the car. There's a lot of chases. It's not just about a race. 
It's about a whole way of life. I didn't even know it was about a race. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Race. That seems like it would win because it flies. No, no. It's, I'm it's saying there's no fair. race. Oh, no there's no race. on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, it, it's just uncontested. So there's no dramatic tension in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No, I think they lose the car and they're trying to find it. And then there's the child catcher. So the kids are worried because he has like a big net and he drives around and like catches kids. What does he do he with like a free... uh, He puts him in jail. But then they get him back and they put him in a net. But I remember as a kid, I was really freaked out by that by the child catch. Like, fuck. More than you were freaked out by uh, Cruella Deville skinning puppies. Well, I wasn't a puppy, right? But the ah, child catcher point. was. I was the target. Right, right. If I was a puppy, I would have gone. Who gives a fuck about the child catcher? Right, it's <laughs> Cruella Deville. That's the terrifying one. Sure. Yeah, but I would be worried about the girl with all the gifts if I was a dog <laughs> <laughs> or a cat. <laughs> Dingus, what is the best flying car in a movie? All right, my favorite, absolutely favorite, is the flying uh, RV, uh, which I would think oh. is an automobile at the Ew. end of um, the Southland Incredibles. Oh, oh. No, the end of The Incredibles. Uh, what? I thought you were going to do Witch mm. Mountain, bitch. <laughs> Witch Mountain. Sorry, I didn't mean... It's I thought he was going to do Southland Tales, a Dwayne Johnson movie. <laughs> That's a Harrison Ford movie, eh? I and thought two, you were going to do Witch Mountain, bitch. That's awesome. <laughs> what is it called? I forgot. Speed Escape Racer? from Witch Where? Mountain. Is that what you're talking about? That's a yeah. Dwayne Johnson movie also. Ah, that's true. Shit. I mean the Eddie Albert one. With what's her face in it. What is her face? I don't know. That, her name's Tia in the movie. It's Tony and Tia. Right, Witch right. Mountain twins, and they're what telekinetic. Was what was that actress? And they're aliens, but it's called Witch Mountain. That's another weird thing about it. Well, it's Devil's Mountain and Close Encounters, and they're also aliens. I remember at the end, though, they trick the cops because they're in a camper that's flying, and they're, like, giggling out at the cops in it. But why don't the cops have a plane or a helicopter? And then mm. they do the giggling. Maybe they're in a plane, and that's why they're giggling at them. That would make more you, sense. You know a lot about, like, old kids' movies, like Escape from Witch Mountain and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang really it exceeded my expectations because I thought it was just going to be about a weird car, but it's about way more than that. Sounds it's about zany. trying to get laid. Huh? Totally sounds sounds zany. Yeah, there's a lot of musical numbers in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh God, now I'm never going to see it. musical. Numbers. I know that's a kind of yeah. I'm I'm out. Too. I'm out. No Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for me. But a lot of things, a lot of shit blows up in it. I don't care if they're singing songs. He I want, blows I up want, the candy. I want no part of that if Dick Van Dyke is singing songs. Thing is, what's, like this, what's the RV from that you're mentioning? The Incredibles. And Dude, don't I, you remember? I know that, that uh, Mr. Incredible can fly. Actually, can No, he can't. Can any of them fly? Can, can uh, Holly Hunter fly? She can turn into like a, a sail. Like a she's parent. like Mr. Fantastic. She basically yeah. turns into a flying squirrel, and then yeah. uh, when they have to fly the rocket over uh, that, um, oh god, what's Jason Lee's character's name? Furiosa. Uh, it's not Furiosa. It's not Spectre. It's Syndrome. Syndrome. Oh, um, when Syndrome sends the rocket over, they attach the RV to it, and. Uh, drop it down onto the city and she gently flying squirrels it down to earth right right so kelly wand the rv itself doesn't fly but it's strapped to a rocket are you going to accept that the rv is not generating lift 
Well, they are, the so, rocket is, isn't it? Right. Yeah, a car strapped to a rocket makes perfect sense. I mean, where are they going to go with the next Fast and Furious movies? Other than having cars strapped to rockets. The moon. Space. Right. Yeah, oh, but they get there on rockets. Very good. Dingus, dingus, dingus. Right. Woo! And I thought for sure that Tom was going to bring up some sort of flying rover from... Oh, well, Tom hasn't done this number one yet. Yeah, we'll see but, where we're going. Right, so nope. uh, the uh, my favorite flying vehicle, you know, I, I realized that I loosely interpreted what cars were uh, based on using tanks and an RV. Um, but yeah, I love that RV. I love that moment. And I love that uh, flying down to earth. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, I love the incredible. Thank you. All right. Not a movie. It's a cartoon, though, but it's okay. Uh, it's actually yeah, they didn't actually make a car fly like a land speeder. <laughs> oh, is a land speeder fly? Yeah. Let's find out with my number one. My number one pick. It's not a land speeder. Uh, my number one pick is a '64 Chevy Malibu in Repo Man. The end of Repo Man. Ah, great. And only Tracy Walter can fly it. By the way. Yeah. Only it's got a dead alien in the trunk and Emilio Estevez gets in it, but uh, actually he doesn't get in it until Tracy Walter gets in it. The government the agents, they can't get in it. There's like a heat wave that burns them up if they try to get too close to it. So Tracy Walter comes strolling up, and he gets in the car, and he says, hey, you want to go for a drive? And Emilio Estevez gets in next to him, and the 64 Chevy Malibu takes off and just flies around Los Angeles. At the time, spectacular special effects. It actually looked terrible at the time. It still does, but it's a flying – 63? It was what? Uh, was it? Probably – was it earlier? I don't know, but yeah, definitely early 80s. Yeah, because I would have been in high school. That's a great one. See? Yeah, you did it correctly a bit. All right. But Kelly Wan just made me think of uh, Jonathan Demme right now, because Tracy Walter's in my favorite Jonathan Demme. Tracy uh, Walter's yeah. in probably, I would guess, I would guess Tracy Walter, if you go to IMDb, I would guess he's got 150 credits. I don't know, You're I just made that up. Probably right, but I just remember him as Lamar, the the, uh, the guy in the uh, the West Virginia morgue. Uh, and he's so good in them. He's, he's just a tiny little part, but I love Tracy oh, Walker. Oh, Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Wow. Man, I wouldn't. And, if you'd asked me, is Tracy Walter in Silence of the Lambs, I would have been absolutely not. But he is. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. He's and of course, Jonathan Demme, Jonathan Demme just died. So you just made me think of that. So thanks. All right. So first Carrie Fisher, now Jonathan Demme. Nice work, Dingus. Huh. Oops. Kelly Wand, what is the best flying car in a movie? And then what do the listeners have? My number one favorite flying car in a movie is the one at the end of Back to the Future 1, even though they kind of ruined it in Back to the Future 2. Oh, yeah. But I really like that it's a time travel movie. Because at the end, doesn't it just like take off and fly around? He goes, where we're going, there are no roads. And right. And the car flies. And then I was such a great moment. I'm like, what? They're good. The car flies, too? That's crazy. I was so excited. It's Pure no redemption movie that ends with a flying car, like just a totally gratuitous flying car. Isn't it kind of like, like when they do have roads and it's totally lame? Oh, it's kind of like, like when when you find out that R two D two can fly in the prequels. Hmm. Yeah, which makes less sense even then because he doesn't. He should be able to fly out of the Tatooine desert. Right. Well, he's he's being coy about his abilities. <laughs> Where we're going, yeah. we're not going to need droids. All right. So that's my number one. Back to the Future 1 from the uh, writer of uh, Trespass, 
the movie by Walter Hill starring Ice Cube and Ice T. <laughs> right, right, the dual Kelly races. Wonder, what do the yeah? What do the listeners uh, have for flying cars? I was just thinking about them together, and it distracted me. Josh Lubliner writes, I've decided to take some liberties with the meaning of the word flying. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. To what I've already been through, I don't think it'll be an issue. I throw myself on Kelly Wan's mercy. No anime, though. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, number three, Thelma and Louise. <laughs> and then he writes, Nuff said. That's, that part's true. I don't know about the first part where you wrote Thelma and Louise, but... Okay. Number two, the Blues Wait a Brothers. Minute. Hold on. Before you okay him, it's no I'm not okay. than your He's silly Blues Brothers thing. Well, which is telling, because guess what Josh's next pick is? Yeah. Oh, what is it? Uh, number two, Blues Brothers. The Blues oh. Mobile... It's being chased by Illinois Nazis in a Ford Pinto when it crashes through some construction barriers and comes to an unfinished overpass. It stops just in time that goes into reverse. It somehow flies through the air and does a backflip over the Nazis, who are too distracted by this feat to notice they're about to go off the edge of the overpass. So it is a Pinto. Num- Yay! Number one, the Blues Brothers. The Pinto then plunges off the overpass, but somehow ends up plummeting from far overhead, seemingly from above the John Hancock building. This leads to an awkward confession before they create a giant pothole in the middle of the street, which the Bluesmobiles leap over and the other pursuers <laughs> crash into. Thanks. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That's some Tex Avery stuff there. Yeah, there's two non-motivated flying cars in the same sequence. <laughs> oh, man, I wanted to I like to think that he storyboarded and go, and then, obviously, what you could do, <laughs> backflip the car. What Keith were you Leith wondering, writes, I wanted to ask you guys about the Mercedes-Benz building, what you thought about that. Product placement, product placement, right. What, in Blues Brothers? No. The girl with all the gifts, there's a Mercedes-Benz product placement. (laughs) And then it's not in theaters. That's a really a building. There's no reason for the... There's no reason for the huge hood ornament thing to be over on its side. Okay, Dingus, (laughs) no. Dingus, first of all. So I, I should we go back? I, I love that sort of fecund apocalypse look. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's an I Am Legend. Uh, there's a really good video game that Alex Garland wrote called uh, Odyssey. No, in something Odyssey to the West. Shoot, what is that thing called? At any rate, Alex Garland. What is it called, Kelly Wand? No, no, that's not it. Disregard. It's, Something, something, Odyssey to the West, enslaved, colon, Odyssey to the West. And it predated even Last of Us, which also has that look. But I think these things owe a lot to uh, a, a book called The World Without Us by Alan is it Weissman. I forget who wrote that, uh, where he talks a lot about what would happen if oh, you're right. yeah. just, just left the planet. You know, what kinds of disrepair would it fall into? And he talks a lot about, you know, uh, the the growth that would come back and how quickly uh, the 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 direness of, of water damage, like water damage we have right now. We're very careful about channeling water away, but water damage would do so much to mess things up. Um, so maybe that's what happened to that Mercedes-Benz symbol is there was like water damage to the, the base of it. That's my theory. Okay. So I was just trying to the... imagine it happening because of 
what was what else was going on in the movie and thinking there's no reason why that would happen i'm not going to give anything away right now but maybe yeah. the, maybe the wind blew it over all right fair enough or maybe dingus it was hit by a flying car <laughs> or a tank or optimus prime you know something with lift <laughs> keith leith writes greetings police resources have already been deployed in these examples no further assistance required Number three, the Blues Brothers, a musical oh. treatise on the tenuous road-holding capabilities of 70s American cars. First watch this is a wide-eyed 10-year-old and was wowed by the rear screen projection used when the Illinois Nazis, distracted by the Immelman turn performed, got him dumped. <laughs> distracted by wow. the Immelman turn performed by Elwood's police dodge, take to the skies to ride of the Valkyries. They get seriously good air. I read that horribly. I apologize, Keith Leith. You deserve far better. I like that he. Bla- dis- I like that the Nazis then were uh, distracted by an Immelman. Yeah, an Immelman. Yeah. Isn't that how you say it? Yeah, it's a, it's like a fighter plane maneuver. Oh, right. it's like a crazy Ivan, but for planes. Yeah, yeah, it works. It's a vertical it's crazy like a Ivan. Trombone. It's half of a vertical. <laughs> Kelly Wan, that's gross. Oh, it's a real Messerschmitt. What I just said. Yeah, but these <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's a horizontal high rise. Number two, Blade Runner, nineteen eighty-two. Yes. Nice. Let's see if he calls them spinners. First, watch this as a wide-eyed ten-year-old. <laughs> Wait a minute. He watched nineteen eighty Blues Brothers as a wide-eyed ten-year-old. Blade Runner, nineteen eighty-two. All right. And like the bit where one of the patrol cops bids adieu to Deckard with the American idiom, have a better one. This seemed more exotic than the neon-studded CO2-billowing flying cop car in which the police officer is performing a vertical climb maneuver. I thought Tom would have something military to say about that phrase. He already said Immelman, so. Yeah, Immelman. A vertical climb maneuver. I think that's just called ascent. It's called lift. <laughs> you are lifting. It's heavy lifting. It's because it's a car. Shut up, Kelly. Number one. First watched this in my 20s. My eyes at their typical dilation. In the man with the gold gun. Wait, he's going backwards. Now the gold gun, 1974. Roger Moore airily bats away criticism that Bond's becoming a bit of a joke by barrel rolling his car. This is a jump. But okay. <laughs> Oh, suddenly Kelly's got oh wow Kelly, Kelly's got the discriminating definition of flying. All of a sudden, that kicks in, huh? Yeah, I've His had to do a lot of contortions on the car part. Up. By barrel rolling his car over a Thai river, accompanied by a jowl-heavy, shrieking Louisiana sheriff, to the sound of a swanee whistle. Note, I didn't choose what appears to be the low-hanging fruit of Scaramanga's vehicle, which was a car but becomes a plane and is therefore Ooh. ineligible. All right, that's fine. He went to that much trouble. I'm very happy with these choices. Keith Leith. I like it when the listener says they're happy with their choices. Those those are good, except that one of them is not flying. But otherwise, sure. You know, I'm not really a good police officer. That's the fun part of my topics. Maybe the only fun thing about it. Arthur Giovanna Jelly writes, number three, Tom will like this as a title, Star Wars. 
Okay, yeah, the land speeder. Remember I guess. when movies were just called Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, can you do that impression of what's his name saying he doesn't like to fly? Oh, blast! Oh. I uh, blast! I hate flying. That one. Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's what's his name? That's that's uh, Alex. Wait, it's it's Mr. T. Oh no, it's Obi Wan. Sorry, <laughs> he's like. There's a similarity there. The I just love the way that I, I love the way that Tom says. I love the way that Tom says "blast." I'm really good at that. Blast. Yeah. Oh yeah, Fargo. Tom. Speaking of Kenobi, haven't seen it oh. yet. How's it going? Mary Elizabeth Winstead, right? That's all oh I know God. about it. Don't tell me. Don't oh stop, stop, stop. Stop reacting. You're oh. reacting. All right. I could just that could just be a reference to the name. All right. Number three, Star how about, Wars. How about that Fear the Walking Dead? When does that start up again? <laughs> So good. So is that good. thing still going? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they just were like quietly disappearing it, and I and I no one noticed. So. Yeah, it's for the best. Fucking idiots. Do they? Right. Do, do they use catapults in in Walking Dead? Um, no, they do in Army of Darkness. Of. What is Dingus thinking of? I'm thinking of car, like some weird, like post-apocalyptic movie where they're using a car on a catapult. So in the movie Feast Two. Oh, a, bunch of, a bunch of uh, bikers use their motorcycles. Actually, they're hot chick bikers. They use their motorcycles as the engine and their clothes as the, the moving parts to create a catapult that will throw a midget, a midget Mexican wrestler, from one, one roof to the next roof. <laughs> True story. There's no zombies in that, though. They're, they're monsters. Does it work? It does not. The midget falls short. Splats onto the Get ground it. and die. Oh, Kelly Wand. That's Jeez. so rude. <laughs> Tom sure hates I just have this mental image of a car being thrown by a catapult. But maybe it was just a dream I had. Carapult. I think, yeah. I think that was something Tyrese had in mind for number nine. Or anime. It could be anime. Mm. Uh, no anime yet, because there's no flying cars in anime. Speed Racer Bizarre. is obviously not Bizarre. flying. It's Star Wars is lift. based on uh, the Hidden Fortress, so that's arguably that's anime. Anime inspired. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, Tom. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very good point. Hidden Fortress so, is anime. Arthur Giovanni is also anime. <laughs> Arthur Giovanni number three, Star Wars. Still. Luke Skywalker's Sorosub X30 sounds like anime. Sorosub X34 <laughs> land speeder does not fly very high, but it certainly doesn't touch the ground. Hopefully, that qualifies it for this category. You can tell it's sort of a piece of junk, but that's what gives it so much personality. So, Kelly One is a hovercraft flying. <sighs> Or is Arthur Jelly going to jail? Here's the thing. It won't put you in jail, but you are that guy. You're the guy who goes, <laughs> see? Flying car. You're like the guy at Disneyland who promises kids a flying car and then gives them the hovercraft. And they're like, wait, what? And you're like, <laughs> read the contract. <laughs> Stupid kids. It's a B ticket. No one will get that reference anymore. Last generation. I know, it's sad, isn't it? Nobody knows what I that know. Is. They really missed out on something we all hated. That's a great metaphor, too, to use for other things. Hey, that's a real B-ticket ride. Yeah. No we should knows. do that. That should be our how we rate movies. 
is what Disney ticket. Yeah, what Disneyland ticket would this be worth? But that's not a thing yeah. anymore. No one knows. No one knows. And every time I try it out, they go, "What?" Like even people my own age are like, "What?" Well, you are in huh? Germany. They don't have Disneyland over there. Yeah, they carry it's different paperwork <laughs> too, and alphabet. Shut up, Kelly. This is the worst thing you, you've ever said. Do you remember the commercial? I think it was for IBM or something. Where the where the dude uh, I forget the dude's name uh, who was going. I was promised flying cars. Where are the flying cars? <laughs> do you remember that? No. Is it Tomorrowland? No, it was a commercial. It was like I don't know, two thousand something, or I don't know when it was, but I forget who the dude was. But do, don't you remember? He's like, and and he just does this thing where he's like, "Where are the flying cars?" And he's like in New York, and he just like points, like. Oh, never mind. Forget it. Non sequitur, man. Moving on. Number two, Blade Runner. There are several nice. flying cars of this movie. My personal favorite is the car in the spinning takeoff scene. Okay, I've never heard it called that. It's an ascent, but okay. Number one, Harry Potter. That's all he has to say about Blade Runner? Oh, so yeah. Funny. Then Harry Potter's an endless paragraph. No offense, <laughs> Arthur Jovanich. <laughs> It's just a Harry Potter uh, reaction. It's basically the story of all of those novels, an endless paragraph. And then there's another 500 pages about this chamber. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. After Dobby, the house elf, seals the entrance to Platform 9 and 3 quarters, Harry Potter and Ronald Weasley must find another way to reach the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That alone's longer than the Blade Runner thing. Their solution is to steal Arthur Weasley's, Ron's father, car, because he had enchanted it with a levitation charm, making it capable of prolonged flight. They use the flying car to follow the Hogwarts Express all the way to the school, but when they reach the grounds, they run into some trouble as the levitation charm begins to falter. This causes them to crash into a whomping willow tree, which almost results in their deaths. Once they escape the tree, they're subject to stern lectures from both Professor Severus Snape and Professor Minerva McGonagall. He's anim- he's animating me. That he motherfucker. is. You do, you, you're the one who said Harry Potter is anime for white people. You're white, oh, so he's got fuck. you. Why did I say that out loud? Now everyone... Maybe you should start and the reading over what Arthur said because you've now sidetracked. After no Dobby, one. the house elf, the car itself becomes feral and escapes into the forest near Hogwarts, only reappearing to save Harry and Ron from Hagrid, the groundskeeper's former pet, Aragog the Acromantula. Ugh. Wait, what's Aragog's job again? He's an Acromantula. What a disaster. <laughs> That's his number one, too. Fucking Harry Potter. Nick D writes, Number three, Captain America. At the World's Fair, before Steve Rogers gets superpowers, Tony Stark's dad demonstrates a prototype for a flying car. Right. Except it breaks down and bangs back down in the middle of the show. I did say it'd be a few years, didn't I? That's a good one. I thought he was going to try to do yeah. helicarriers or something. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Uh, uh, what's that guy's name who plays Howard Hughes? Or no, who plays Tony Dominic Stark's Cooper. Father. Yeah, Dominic Cooper. Right, right. Yeah. From the uh, from the bad guy. No, the bad guy in Need for Speed with Aaron Paul. And the Devil's <laughs> Double. Yeah, Devil's Double. Right. He's yeah. good at that. Yeah. Uh, I thought he would have made a good Doctor Strange, but I guess he's already in the Marvel Universe. 
just like Chris Evans. Number two, Repo Man. Tom made me think of this with his pick last week. Tracy Walter gives Emilio Estevez a ride in a glowing green car at the end of the movie. The best part's how the random girl Emilio just met says, what about our relationship? And his reply is, huh? Fuck that. We've all been there. Number one, the man with the golden gun. James Bond jumps a river in a vintage. <laughs> this one's really the most picked by listeners. A jump? No, Blade Runner is. I sure am, boy. Remember Blues the fat brothers. sheriff? Blues Brothers. All right. Jumps a river in a vintage AMC matter the redneck sheriff riding shotgun like a British Dukes of Hazard. But then Christopher Lee tricks Bond by having wings and a jet engine on his AMC car, which he uses to fly away. You know what improves any flying car stunt? A slide whistle on the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, remember? When he does the jump, it goes, Woo! I want to murder that part. Cheers in. Although I kind of like the sheriff just because... Why is he in Thailand? Why is there a redneck sheriff in Thailand? I don't know, but he was in Live and Let Die, too, and that's the thing about those movies, is he's a recurring character in both of them, and he keeps running into James Bond and being subjected right. to his... And he keeps going, you're that secret agent feller from England. He calls him... He goes, you're that English guy from England. Seems like that's he's out of his jurisdiction. I don't know that what he's doing running around in time. Yeah, but so is James Bond in the sheriff's defense. No, does James, James Bond's Bond in have, Harlem. Doesn't James <laughs> Bond have, service. like, global jurisdiction? Yeah, I guess so. He has a license to kill wherever he wants at any we're on the on the planet. I think that's what two guys want. That's what's really provocative about Moonraker. Is you're wondering, does he have jurisdiction up here? Is this is this legal? Yeah, he violates international law. Jaws. See, the character his name is Jaws in Moonraker, so that's making me think the shark's name's also shark. There's no, there's nothing ever with a shark named Jaws. That's you would name after the movie. No. Is is the alien an alien named Alien? Like is it Alien? The first one. That's. No, it's not. He doesn't have a name. The third one's Alien Cubed. That's the third well, Alien's name. No, no. This is, all of this is what? wrong. Uh, what, else, what other listener submissions do we have for awesome flying cars? Following up, so Tom saying all this, all these things are wrong is Chris Markardson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. I've never even had a driver's license. What? Canadians, man. They have socialized Yeah, they get around. Yeah. I thought he drove a truck. I thought Chris Markerson drove a dynamite truck, that's and that's how he live, discovered it. That would be awesome. You live in Canada, the, the government gives you a ride everywhere you need to go. Uh, that's why they're called Mounties, because you mount them. They're the. I've never even had a driver's license, so my knowledge of cars is basically describing them by their color. Hopefully I'm not being car racist. Ah, oh, get it, race. Number three, space balls. <laughs> what? That's what uh, someone without a driver's license would pick, I think. The camper and space balls. I guess I might be reaching a little by calling the Eagle 5 a car, but I'll risk the jail time. Is that Speed Racer? What's the Eagle 5? Oh, is that a it's Space Balls It's the camper in space balls. Oh, good lord. Lone Star drives I've, with his I've, friend Barf. I must admit, I've never seen space balls. I refused it's, to see it when it came out because I was so mad that they were what? making fun of my beloved Star Wars. Oh, well, what do you see how they did it, too? They really put some thought into Pizza the Hut. Um, you would have felt. Nah. Number two, I, Captain America. I really America. was adamant about not seeing that movie. I know that's hard to believe about somebody like me, Spaceballs? but I would not see it. Yeah, Spaceballs. There's some good lightsaber dick jokes, though. It's terrible. It's the worst movie ever, and most nerds love it, and I don't fucking get why. I feel the same way Stephen King feels about the Shining movie, about Spaceballs. I think everyone's retarded. 
Also, you have another favorite lightsaber dick joke. Yeah, skin deep. Yep. Number two, Captain America, the first Avenger. Howard Stark uses the Stark Gravitic reversion technology to make a red car fly a few feet into the air for about 14 seconds. Oh, this is a great one. No one said it. This is the best one to end on. It's better than all mine. Number one, heavy metal, the white car that's released from a spaceship. Oh, makes man. It this atmosphere and lands in a desert. Man, Dingus won't get beautiful. that one. But Mark, it's an, yeah. Although, is that flying or is it land? Like, does the space shuttle he fly when it, it comes He's in? piloting it. He's driving it. He's at the steering wheel. Yeah, I guess you're right. Man, that is a great that's one. That's Mark, Mark, it's in broke the topic again. By making, by having the perfect choice? Yeah. None of us came oh. up with it. He should be doing these. Yeah, I'm embarrassed for myself now, oh, okay. as usual, but for this in particular. Although the problem with that is it's Sammy Hagar singing while it happens, and nobody wants that. No, it's fine. I like, that's the one good Sammy Hagar song. Mm-hmm. Sammy there's Hagar? No, there's no such thing as a good Sammy Hagar song. It's called Heavy Metal, and it's about heavy metal. It's, just, it's a good car to... It's, it's a good car. It's a good song to land a car on. Yeah. yeah. Was Sammy I, Hagar like really off. heavy metal, though? Was he a heavy metal dude, or was he just in Van Sammy Halen? Hagar? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a dumb question to ask, but I wasn't into metal, then. Sammy so Hagar. I don't, know, I don't know heavy metal. He's a pretender. I'll take White Snake over Sammy Hagar. It's a one-way White ticket to midnight. Oh, good oh. Lord. Is that even mean? You'll take White Snake? <laughs> Does he got a well, mean Sammy thing? Hagar, let me tell you this. Sammy Hagar, when he did music videos, couldn't get Tawny Katane. It took White Snake. To get Tawny Katane in a music video, I just want to point yeah. that out. So Sammy well, Sagan, hey, that's, that closes the book on him as far as I'm concerned. Justin Bieber got Barbara Paulvin too. I don't know who that is. Uh, by and the way, Josie um, Moran got or Blaine David Blaine the magician got Josie Moran. Don't know who that is either. I don't know who that is. Okay, She's very hot. I, by the way, oh, yeah. I, when we talked about heavy metal before, I was asking like, do you guys know who that? Dude who was doing all that art, like on calendars and whatnot, um, and it was in. Yeah, Corbin Markinson brought this up, um, and uh, another one of our listeners brought this up as well. Um, brought it up that it was Boris Vallejo was the person I was. Oh, thinking Boris of. Yeah. yeah, I said that on the podcast, I think, but I think I whispered it. You might have whispered it because I said it starts with a V, uh, but this. Yeah, Boris uh, but yeah. I think I said actually. I don't think it's Boris Vallejo, like, because you said it's a V, like that's how dumb. But I said the name, but I said it not Boris. But he has the girls with the big cans. Okay, so that's all we have from listeners. Um, <laughs> the girls with all the cans. Well, speaking of Dwayne Johnson, he and Scott William Sean Penn, that gummit. Uh, and he's really good in this, the William Sean Scott Penn goon guy. Uh, in Southland Tales, it ends with them flying around in a flying ice cream truck. They're both in Rundown and that. Oh, that's right. Huh. I didn't think of that. Yeah, reunited again. They're like basically yeah. the Martin and Lewis of their generation. It feels so good. <laughs> reunited. Because they understood. Uh, other runners up before Dingus uh, plays us over to next week? Uh, not for me. After heavy metal, I don't even want to. I know, right? That was really try. good. Yeah. I can pick a number of things from uh, Fast and Furious movies, but I just want. Do any of them uh, involve cars that generate lift? <laughs> All right, I've been trying to Salzburg, so. Uh, well, if we're doing topic? jumps, I, I love the jump in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious where they jump onto the boat, but I don't know if that's generating lift, whatever that means. 
Hmm. All right, Dingus, what is next week's topic, and how can the listeners participate, and what are we seeing? All right, so uh, what are we seeing? I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that for just a second. By the way, I think the other listener who said Boris Vallejo was John Thomas Mason, but I'm not sure. Anyway, um, next week's uh, 3x3 topic is your three favorite toys. Oh, in a movie. It's fun. Uh, but not from the movies, any movie that has the words Toy Story in it. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say toys, flat out toys. All right, good. No, if you, Mary Levinson. if you want to choose LL Cool J, you can do that. But nothing from any of the Toy Story movies. So your three favorite toys. Any right. questions? I should, I should think about no. yeah, don't. Yeah. How can the listeners participate? And uh, what movie should they see uh, to join us for next week's podcast? All right. So to participate, please send in emails uh, for your three by three submissions and picks and your picks, obviously, based on how we reacted to the last pick that we just heard, should be sent to three x three at quarter three dot com, three x three at quarter three dot com. And also send in your ideas for uh, if you happen to see this obscure little movie we're going to see send them into the same email address 3x3 at com. just title the email slightly differently so i can open because i generally read the listener submissions i click on those i do not click on the three by three submissions because i don't want to uh, have those ruined for me so just call it you know subject title guardians of the galaxy volume two and uh if you do that then i will know to open that email and not something about the 3 by 3 too early. So next week we'll be seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe. Has any of us seen that? Uh, yeah, Is term, volume uh, 2? Yeah, Europe gets it early. Kelly Wan, don't say anything. So Kelly Wan's already oh. seen it. All right, so join mm-hmm. us for that. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Mitch Trubisky. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. It's a one-way ticket to midnight. It's a Call it heavy metal. Our tonight gonna find you in the disco. Smell the glove. Wind up heavy metal. That's been doing it. What else can he say? I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make. I'm Groot. I'm Groot. I'm Groot. Let me know if you start to sprout. Eh.